This is the Bench Warmers with your host, Cody Foxley and Cajun Lamb. Brought to you by 881 The Brew, your music central. Yo, 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 welcome on into the Bench Warmers here on 88.1 The Berg. Very glad to have you guys on this beautiful Sunday morning. My name's Cajal, and I'm joined here by my awesome co-host. What is going on, everyone? It's your boy Cody here. Cajal, solid yo, yo, yo in the beginning there. I like hey. it. I really like it. You know what, guys? I've been working on it, actually. I know, I know. Set I like mirror, that. <laughs> mirror for a little bit uh, this week. Made sure I had to get it down. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Super good show, and I realized I had to be at my A game. So, uh, when it comes to today, we're going to be talking a little bit about baseball. Obviously, you know stuff we do at the top of the show. Um, And then Cody's going to bring us into the playoffs uh, after, you know, he blundered a little bit last weekend. Yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah, I know. Uh, So, if you guys were listening last week, you would know that I kind of messed up a little bit. I thought... I just thought, I assumed a LeBron James and Anthony Davis team had the lead over the Blazers, but I guess I was wrong. I guess the Blazers somehow took the t- series against the Lakers in the regular season. So, yeah, I messed up, guys. Send, a, send in hate text right now, 509-963-2311. Nick Oliver, I know you're probably listening, ready to send in hate, so <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, feel free to text in. Uh, and we got. And if anything, during the show today you want to text in, uh, feel free. We also have a debate segment where we're going to be talking about uh, probably the best running back just to fill some time before our next segment, uh, which you're going to hear at the second half of the show. That'll start about 1 o'clock where we're going to be talking about pretty much any t- every team in the NFC how their offseason was, what you can expect, a nice little way to kind of put a bow on everything so we can stop talking about what happened in the NFL because obviously, you know, the NFL, there's not going to be much going on So uh, over the next couple months. So feel free to text in during any of that time. Like we said, 509-963-2311. So, Cody, do you want to get started in baseball? Is that good, or do you want to do basketball first? We got to start it off with baseball, man. We got to yeah. get no offense, Cater. We got to get the boring stuff out of the way first. I know, <laughs> not a lot of people like it. Uh, I'm sitting here in my Mariners jersey. If you're watching the live stream, uh, if you're not, then uh, yeah, just <laughs> for your information. But it is really hard right now. I, I'll tell you to wear this jersey. Uh, so we can I either bet. start um, with Mariners, or we can kick off with news and stuff. Which would you prefer? Dude, let's just let's start off with news because I want to trash the Mariners in a little bit. So <laughs> okay, okay. Let's start off with what's, 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 well, what's been uh, going on. Biggest thing that happened in news, baseball-wise, is going to be the Willie Adamas trade. Uh, if you guys don't know who Willie Adamas is, he's the shortstop for the Rays. Uh, kind of instrumental for them last year when it came to going to the World Series. You know, they weren't able to quite get it done. But uh, he was definitely one of their best players. But this season, he's hitting 197. Uh, he has five homers, 15 RBIs in 41 games. You know, not the worst stats, but also not necessarily the greatest. But he gets traded uh, to the Milwaukee Brewers, and he gets traded for a couple relief pitchers. So what what are the Brewers getting with Adamas? Well, they're getting one of the better defensive shortstops in baseball. The manager said uh, he was a switch hitter who was great to have at the plate in a pinch, which, you know, obviously. uh, And you do want those switch hitters so that um, you can mess with the pitcher, whoever they put up on the mound a little bit, and they're not going to be game-planning against you with who they're throwing in. And apparently Adamus cried when he heard the news. So very passionate guy, really wanted to be in Tampa. But, you know, not everything's always going to work out. But he gets traded for uh, Fire Ison and uh, Rasmussen. They're two relief pitchers. Uh, Fire Ison, he's a 28-year-old relief pitcher. Right now he's 0-2, um, and he has a 3.26 ERA. Uh, 
this season. And then Rasmussen, he's 25 years old. He's 0-1, but he has a 4.24 ERA with one save in 15 games. So, you know, this is the eighth-best bullpen uh, ERA-wise with a 3.55 in the league uh, when you look at the Rays. So maybe they thought that relief pitcher was a position of need, but what I think is more um, important is the fact that uh, they have a little guy. I know uh, we talked about him a little bit before the show. <laughs> Wander Franco. Um, yeah. And, you know, the the Brewers also gave up this uh, 23-year-old shortstop, Luis Urias, but he's had nine errors this season. He's not really expected to be a huge guy. He's just kind of probably going to be a utility player for him, yeah. especially because he's so young, um, and they can figure out if he develops into anything. But Wander Franco, top prospect in the MLB for a long, long time. He's in AAA right now. Uh, do you think that this means that we're going to see him this season? Do you think it might be a little bit longer? What do you What do you think of when you look at this, like all this situation? Absolutely. I think it's definitely an incentive that they're going to bring him up this season, if not pretty soon, because how long with the, how long ago was the Adamas trade? Like uh, That was like two days ago? Two days ago. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they called him up sometime next week, sometime the week after. I mean, like you said, Wander Franco, he, <laughs> he's been a top prospect in MLB for some time now. And I, I honestly, I'm not going to lie, dude. Like, just You can just hear it right now, right? Wander Franco, the mm-hmm. face of the MLB, right next to Shohei Otani and Fr- Francis, not Francisco, sorry, Fernando Tatis. No, <laughs> yeah, Fernando. I, I, I mixed him and Francisco, whatever that Francisco dude is. Francisco Lindor? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But I can just hear it. Like, that name just sounds beautiful. And I guess... The Rays know what they're doing, man. I think, I mean, they made the World Series last year, so they're trying to call up their best prospect and see what he can do. So let's let's see it. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I'm sure the Rays are too. Uh, Adamus, you know, he's not necessarily a piece that, like, probably had to go. Um, but, you know, if you can get the value for him, uh, yeah. and these guys are going to participate now, and you can get Wander Franco right in there, and you're that confident that he's going to be good. I think that this is a great trade. I I really do like the fact that they were able to get him done or get him out of the way. I was thinking maybe. Um, I mean, they might have thought he wasn't performing up to par, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which if he's not, then it makes sense to ship him out right now. But yeah. uh, I usually think that teams should wait until the trade deadline, you know, um, unless they just really liked these pitchers. But if you wait till the trade deadline, teams are willing to give up a lot more. Like you look at uh you look at for Austin Nola last year what the Padres were willing to give up they give up Trammell they give up I mean Luis Torrens was it's bad I hate <laughs> it. but uh, they give up Trammell they give up Torrens and then they also give up uh what's his name uh, Ty France who's Ooh. like your favorite boy oh so, my god um, yeah so like granted whether those players are doing well or not like that's that is a bunch of high level like or high caliber talent that yeah. is like prospective, you know? So, um, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's really weird that they did it right now, but I guess if he's hitting one ninety seven, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I feel like maybe they thought like, since he's not playing the best right now that they're trying to get rid of him for like some sort of package now. And maybe like some relief pitchers, like you said, they probably thought that, cl- I mean, here's the thing, like closer to the trade deadline, maybe he pops off. Like he mm-hmm. has some solid games where he proves to a contender, like a contending team, that he can be a solid hitter in the rotation. So, I don't know. I agree. I think they should have waited, but I don't see. I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, he's been playing not the best this year. He's like batting. Would you say point one nine, one nine seven, one nine seven, one nine seven? Yeah, that's not good at all. So, I, I I can see why they did it. I I would agree with you though. I think they should have waited till the deadline, man. Yeah. 
All right, well, that is what's going on with Adamus. Now, let's dive into what's happening with the Mariners. Uh, yikes. <laughs> yikes, 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 yikes. Yikes is, um, uh, is, is a way to describe it. I so would use a different word, but... I'd, I think I'm just going to go with saying what I the opposite of what I want to happen with the Mariners because every single time I've been saying all this stuff, like, it's not working out. It's not working out. Um, I said that the Mariners were going to get crushed by Shane Bieber and the Indians. And, you know, that was their last win. They won. <laughs> they won that game 3-2. Uh, to two. So I'm going to go on a recap of what happened over the last week. On Sunday, May 16th, um, during our show, the Mariners beat the Indians 3-2. to two, And uh, that was with Shane Bieber, one of the best pitchers on the mount or uh, best pitchers on the team, uh, getting it done against them, but not able to get it done completely. Uh, so Mariners got that. And then I said, Thank goodness that the Mariners are coming up with a three-game stretch against the Tigers. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. That ain't working. Yeah. Uh, Mariners, they lose three games. They drop all three against the Tigers. They lose that series completely. And on May 18th, my birthday, got to watch the Mariners get no hit against the Tigers uh, with Turnbull, I think. Spencer, was the Turnbull. Spencer Turnbull. Turnbull. Um, Spencer Turnbull. Which, if you uh, if you know anything about what's happening this season, I don't know what's happening with the bats in the MLB, but now the Cleveland Indians and the uh, and the Seattle Mariners are the two teams to get no hit within the same month or within a month's time. And uh, right now there are six no hitters on the season. And for those keeping track at home, before you go and look, the record for no hits in a season is seven. And we are just over the quarter mark through the season because uh, Spencer Turnbull threw it on May 18th. The next day, Corey Kluber threw a no-hitter for the Yankees and against the Rangers. And that that brings it up to six. So we're probably going to hit the mark unless there's just a huge cold streak by pitchers over the next, like, three-fourths of a season, which, uh, you know, I I would kind of like to see increase the hitting a little bit. (laughs) I don't know what's going on right now. Nah, dude. Honestly, I just let's just stick to the to the goddamn Mariners, man. Because here's the thing: they know how to make a fan base really mad. They yeah. really do, and it's so depressing watching them. Like you haven't talked about it yet. Yet, I don't know if you will, but the Padres series that yeah, is literally going on series. right now is like honestly the most depressing series I've ever seen. Like flexing the other night. Gave up, what was it, seven runs in the first two innings? Something like that. Something like that? I think it was eight, yeah. Eight or seven runs in the first two innings. Tatis, he's my boy. I love this kid. I want him to go off. But at the same time, like, I'm trying to root for the Mariners here. Like, I can y'all show me something? Like, I swear, (laughs) we went one, two, three out, and then the Padres come on, and they literally take the entire inning, and they can go through their lineup twice before the Mariners can get a a hit. Like, I, I don't get it. I've seen more hits from YBN Almighty J. I've seen more <laughs> hits from Cardi B than the goddamn Seattle Mariners, and I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm tired. Okay, KJ, continue. Okay, okay, continue. Okay. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you bring us into the Padres series. Obviously, that one's painful. We lose one to sixteen in the first game, and then uh, yesterday's game. Uh, that one, if you look at the score, you're like, oh, Mariners kept pace with the Padres. Padres yeah. are a pretty good team. But not really. No, uh, you would think. Really, in truth, uh, the Mariners went down pretty badly. They had a, they allowed five runs in an inning. Um, and Justice Sheffield, who was our starting pitcher for that day, he allowed five earned runs. And then one of those runs was unearned 
uh, because I believe uh, what's his name Tom Murphy overthrew. Uh, trying to catch someone stealing at third, went into the outfield. The guy just ran, turned home. Oh. So it, they ended up going up early six one, and then the Mariners had a couple like nice little hits and stuff. Um, but other than a Mitch Haniger home run, again, feels like we say that all the time yeah. at this point. Uh, nothing really special about the game. It was just it was just kind of one of those defeating ones. And you look back on the week. Now they've gone one and five. They've gone one and five, and they've had a lot of losing weeks over the past while when they started off promising, which is just kind of what the Mariners do. But uh, the Flexen one, where they went one and six, or when they lost one to 16, that one really hurt because Flexen was a guy that you would look at and you're like, man, Mariners are going to trade him at the deadline. He's mm-hmm. not part of the future. Um, and that would have probably got us some nice pieces so that we could trade for guys when we are ready to win now. But, yeah. Um, I think the hardest part uh, is going to be the prospects, which we'll talk about in just a sec. Um, Mariners versus Padres is going to wrap up today at 110. So if you do want to watch them, uh, probably I'm going to say they're going to lose. You know? <laughs> no, guys, honestly, I advise you to just go about your day, man. I guarantee you, you can be doing 30, probably 40 other things that are way more fun than watching the Mariners get no hits. Okay, or but, maybe one, or but, maybe but, two, or maybe three, five if you're lucky. Remember what I said. I, I will say the opposite of what I want to happen. No, this so. is reverse psychology, too. Yeah, I, okay, I'm okay, speaking okay. this into okay, existence. Yeah, Padres, Padres are going to get, like, um, they're just going to go to town on the Mariners today, so uh, no need to worry about it. But. Don't, don't even bother <laughs> watching the game because Machado's going to hit five home runs. Tatis is coming in with another three. I don't know, man. I, you could be doing other things than watching the Mariners play a terrible game. So, yeah, they're going to suck, so don't even bother. <laughs> don't even bother. Uh, all right. Um, we're going to look now at the prospects real fast before we go into the NBA um, and then talk about a little bit about, like, some of the players to watch in the MLB. But uh, I want you to – I want to talk about Gilbert and Kelnick. Mm-hmm. Now, I said time not to freak out <coughs> right. last week. Um, about Gilbert or Kelnick. <laughs> I kind of stand by Kelnick, but let's go into Gilbert real fast. If you look at his stats, uh, if you saw a 9.45 ERA with 6.2 innings pitched, you're like, okay, that's just one really bad game. That's one really bad game that he had. But no, that's been two games. He has pitched 6.2 innings over the two games that he has played for the Mariners and still had a 9.45 ERA. Mm-hmm. And that is a little bit of a concern. Um, granted, you don't expect him to come on right away. But, Cody, what, are you, what do you think, from, just from someone who, like, you know, you're kind of getting into baseball this year, what do you, when you look at Gilbert, what are you thinking? I actually believe in Gilbert more than I do Kelnick. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Okay. Here's the thing with pitchers, right? <laughs> pitchers, they just need I – I genuinely feel like pitchers need time to just – you know, develop, not be nervous when they're pitching. And, like, I don't know. I feel like this team in general surrounding Gilbert, like the outfielders and just these all, all these other guys, they're not that good either. They're not helping anything with Gilbert. Like, I know Gilbert isn't that – okay, he's an amazing – he's only played, like, four – like, a total of six innings. But, like, I'm kind of still, like, hoping that he can do something because, like I said – Pitching, to me, is, like, really hard. It's something really, like, difficult, I feel like, to be really good at right away. Because what? Is, has he only – I mean, he's only played six innings, so he's only has he only been in, like, two games? Yeah, two yeah. games. So, like, I feel like it's super early to just 
you know, critique him on his pitching. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the pitching skill. I don't know the game that well. I don't know what else, to, like, to just how to critique it. But I just feel like pitching is something you can't learn, like, right away. It's going to take time. Yeah, I will say that uh, I, I, I implore you to name something that is more mental than pitching in the MLB. Any Across any sport. Name something that consistently you have to do that is harder on you mentally. Yeah. The, legitimately, the only thing I can think of is like kicking a field goal in the NFL. And even then, I don't think that the stress from that you get from uh, pitching is anywhere near like that the kicking in the NFL. Because I kicking agree. in the NFL is only going to be as stressful typically uh, if you mess up and you feel like your job's all of a sudden on the line, or if you're kicking a game winner. Yeah. With the MLB, the hardest part with pitching is every single pitch, you can lose the game, you can win the game, or, well, no, you can't win the game. You can lose the game, or you can bring your team closer to losing the game. And that's all it is. Baseball is a sport of failure. You have to get used to failing. Mm-hmm. But the reason why you see pitchers being such big babies half the time, like when they get mad because batters are celebrating and stuff, is because every single hit, is just a knockoff of their salary, is going yep. to be a knockoff of their <laughs> statistics, yep. and it's going to be so much harder for them going forward. Yep. One guy getting on base completely changes the way they have to pitch for the rest of the inning. Yeah, And it's it's absolutely insane. There's an immense amount of pressure. Every pitch thrown changes what you have to do, and I think it gets inside people's heads. Yeah, you know? and the thing, too, is like when you mess up, the the entire team is looking at you, I want to say, and all the fans, too. Like, when Gilbert and Kelnick debuted for the first time, Kelnick, he didn't do so hot either. Let's not forget, his yeah. debut was not hot, no. but neither was Gilbert's. But who got all the hate? Gilbert. Yeah. I didn't see any hate on Kelnick. I heard, give him some time, give him some time. Mike Trout had a bad first game as a hitter. But no, everyone was on Gilbert's neck. They were like, this dude cannot pitch. Yeah. Put him back into the minors. Bring him, like, I don't know. I, th- I think it's too early. Like you said, like, there's so much pressure in, like, in a pitcher, like, to, like, have a good game because like everything is on you all eyes are on you so i want to give gilbert another chance kalnick on the other hand all right i want to i want to i want to go over some stats and i want you to guess who this player is right um in nine games you have four hits and so you have 33 plate appearances uh 30 at bats but you have uh four hits one of them's for a double and then you also have them hitting 133 for their batting average you want me to guess who that player yeah, is? Guess who that player is. I already know who that player is. Who's that player? That's Mike Trout. That is Mike Trout. Because you're trying to compare Kelnick Mike to Mike Trout. I, know. I get it. No, no, no. I understand I'm not, I'm the no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't want you to put it, frame it that way. I don't want you to frame it that way. I'm not trying to compare Kelnick to Mike Trout. I am just saying, for those who do not know, Mike Trout currently is the like the best player yes. in baseball right now. Yes. And even then, he did not start hot. And in that same stretch. Kelnick has had one more hit. Kelnick has had one more double, so an extra base hit. Kelnick has had a home run in that, and Kelnick is also hitting better in batting average. So, when you look at it, yes, is can you can you like compare him and be like, uh, Kelnick and Trout? Like, <laughs> yeah, if you're stupid, you're gonna look at him and be like, Kelnick's gonna be better than Trout. He's I've heard, not. But I've heard baby Trout. Like I've heard people I saying know. he's baby and, Trout, and and a lot of people are hoping <laughs> that he's gonna be. Yeah. But like, I, all I'm saying is, it's nine games. It's nine games out of an entire career. If you were to judge Mike Trout based off of his first nine games, you're gonna be like, man, he's a bust. He's not that good. 
But, you know, Kalnick is doing the exact same thing. And I'm just saying, you got to give him a little bit of time. I but, am. I'm, but, giving uh, it, I'm giving both of them time. I'm just more upset at Kelnick than I am at Gilbert. But here's one thing I do want to talk about. Kelnick didn't have a ton of time in AAA. Uh, Taylor Trammell, who came up, didn't have any time in AAA because the Mariners just pulled him up because he had a good spring training. Logan Gilbert pitched one game in AAA. Are the Mariners rushing their prospects? And do they need to take a little bit more time? Or do you think that this is just a little bit of, like, first few game jitters? I don't know. That's a that's actually a really good question now that you bring it up because I had no idea. I had no idea about those three guys that they barely play any games in AAA. But now that I'm thinking of it, maybe. Maybe they need more time down in the minors to just get rid of those, like you said, first couple game jitters. Like, maybe they're so, like, they're kind of feeling the pressure of, like, turning this team around because, if anything, they've heard the news of, like, Mariners fans saying like these guys are up next these guys are going to be the future of the team maybe they, maybe they've been listening to that and they've kind of found that pressure and they're kind of scared not really scared but like you know what's the right word I'm looking for like they're they're just like not not ready yet yeah they need, they no, need time and, to develop you and know? I think uh with baseball because it's such a developmental league um Mariners right now are six and a half games back like if you're playing for something you're playing for something and that's cool but really, what are you playing for? Um, I think I, I, speaking as a Mariners fan, I would rather see right now Julio uh, Rodriguez get called up to AAA. And I would rather see Kalenic go back down to AAA. And just to let them, you know, work things out, play a little bit better, um, and see how they do. Because you see Trammell right now. He cannot hit in the majors. And then he goes down to AAA, and he's lighting the league up. Mm-hmm. Like, for yes. no reason. And I think some of these guys just need a little bit of time. And I would rather see those three play in AAA until maybe, like, the all-star break. And then you start calling a couple of them up and see how they do. Because getting a little bit more time in those developmental leagues is going to be huge for him. I think I think Kelnick played, like, two games, three yeah. games, something like that. That's not and enough. I just don't think he was ready. No. I don't think he was ready. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I, I think they should have – they should either – either they should all go back down to play in the minors, like like you said, to all-star break. Or maybe they, like, um, they call back up um, Trammell and bring uh, Kelnick back into AAA because Trammell has been playing pretty decently, so mm-hmm. – We'll see what they do. Honestly, I I just think the Mariners should full on tank and just put all these guys the, into like a development system. Like put them in AAA, let them play like in the minors for a little, let them develop a lot more. Just so. get some of the guys who aren't going to be part of the process. Like maybe if you don't feel like Jake Fraley is going to be the guy, bring Jake Fraley up, see what he does, and if he starts playing decently, um, then trade him away. Yeah, trade him away exactly. at the deadline. I think that that's the smart move. All right, and then we'll go really fast into the player to watch for the week. And then uh, we can start talking some NBA because we got to do that uh, before we get into everything else. So um, who's your player to watch for the week? My player to watch for the week for the MLB, it's got to be Austin Riley, man. Third baseman for the Atlanta Braves. The dude has just been playing stellar as of late. Like, you mean, you look at uh, a couple days ago, the Braves had 20, 20, yeah, I said that right, 20 points, 20 runs. I don't know if it's points or runs, whatever you guys call it. Whatever. (laughs) 20 runs, man. Like 20 to 1 against the Pirates. Austin Riley accounted for three of those home runs, three or two home runs, like four RBIs. He was uh, three for four at bat. Like he's just been been on fire. Mm -hmm. And then the game after, he has another home run. And the game today, he's got two home runs. So if you really look at it, before coming into the Pirates series, he had seven home runs. He's now at, I think, 
11? Jeez. 11, I think. 11 or 12. That's I, it's one of those. He's either at 11 or 12 now, just based off these three games. So, yeah, look out for Austin Riley, man, uh, for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, eating up the Pirates. That's kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny, though. The day that the Mariners get dunked on by the Padres when it's 1-16, to uh, they're not even the worst team in the league that day. Like yeah. Pirates go one to twenty against the Braves. Absolutely nuts. But um, the guy I'm going to go for uh, is Shane Bieber. Uh, we haven't talked about him a little bit, even though he's the reigning Cy Young winner. The only time we really talked about him was when uh, we were talking about how the Mariners were going to lose to him. But mm-hmm. uh, Shane Bieber was on a hot, hot, hot streak. Granted, carrying over from last season, but what was happening was he was striking out eight plus batters in 20 consecutive games and it would have been 21 if he had could have recorded one more against the mariners in the game that he lost i know but the mariners of all teams (laughs) that has been no hit twice somehow uh broke that streak for him but he's still leading the league right now in strikeouts i think it's something like he has 98 98 98 like that's crazy that is insane Um, so yeah shane bieber 98 k's on the season uh and he's not really slowing down um not the best in era but you know who really cares when (laughs) when you're just putting guys out one two three so uh i like him a lot shane bieber cleveland indians um okay now cody take us into what's happening with some of the nba stuff playoffs are happening nba playoffs baby so yesterday the first round of the playoffs happened so let's just go over some of the scores real quick so obviously we had the heat versus the Milwaukee sorry I'm gonna say full I'm not gonna abbreviate just in case you guys don't know so we got the Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks and the Bucks did win game one in a very close game 109 to 107 this is actually this was actually in my opinion the game of the night um it was a very close game back back and forth the entire way um Miami just does this thing where they can just lock up Giannis like they know how to play perimeter defense on him they know how to stop him from getting to the paint but I guess Tonight just wasn't enough because he had 26 points and 18 rebounds in a pretty dominant game. I would say they were able to keep him out of the paint for a little bit, but for pretty much the entire game, like he was able to find his way into the basket and just go in for a layup or a dunk. Um, Chris Middleton had the game winner, if you guys saw that on SportsCenter or whatever. Um, he also, you know, 27 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Pretty good. You know, Chris Middleton has been getting a lot of critique as of late for not showing up in the playoffs. So I'm glad that he showed up tonight or last night and uh, helped out Milwaukee in winning game one. And the Heat, man, the Heat. I don't know what happened to them last night. Like def- defensively, they played pretty well. Like they locked up mm-hmm. a lot of um, the supporting cast for Milwaukee. But Butler, man, Butler just after the exceptional playoff run he had last year he only had he had he had 17 10 and 8 so he was two assists away from a triple double but if you really look at it he shot four for 22 from the field with six turnovers yeah and honestly the entire team could not shoot a three besides Duncan Robinson Duncan Robinson was the only dude he had 22 points and he shot like I think all his shot all his points were from three seven for 13 from downtown and I don't know I think this is a very. This is going to be probably the best series in the first round, in my opinion. It's a very, very close, uh, close matched up team. Like these teams are very evenly like matched up, and I just think Giannis has something to prove. So keep an eye out for this game. And yeah. speaking of something to prove, let's get into our next game. Oh. This one is the Western Conference: Dallas Mavericks versus the LA Clippers. The Dallas Mavericks beat the LA Clippers one thirteen to one o three. Uh, could you guess who led the team, Cajel? 
No, I couldn't. Why don't you tell me? It's so easy, man. His name is Luka Doncic, <laughs> dude. He had a wow. triple double. Of this course. dude is a animal. He is a god. He literally a god. He had 31 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists to lead the the Mavericks, the lower seed Mavericks, by the way, against the Clippers, who are heavy favorites to uh, not heavy favorites, but one of the favorites to like make it out of the West besides the Lakers. He beat them single-handedly, just dropping a triple double because. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Besides from Jalen Brunson and Tim Hardaway, like, the team could not shoot well. Porzingis couldn't shoot well. Um, I just didn't see it. So, Luka did amazing. He carried that team to a victory. Leonard and PG did all right. Leonard had 26 points and 10 rebounds. PG 13. Paul George had 23 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists. But they need more help from the supporting cast. You know, Nick Batum, Serge Ibaka, Reggie Jackson, all these guys— they need, to, they need to play more efficiently, and I'm also very supo- surprised that the Clippers aren't giving any minutes to Luke Kennard or DeMarcus Cousins, two guys that played really well for them in the regular season. So shout out to the Dallas Mavericks. That's going to be a good series. Luka has something to prove, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly think Luka could make something out of nothing at this point. Like I could see him either taking the Clippers to seven in a very close game, or he could honestly upset the Clippers. So that'll be fun. On to the next game, Eastern Conference, first round, Boston Celtics versus the Brooklyn Nets. Now, this is the very first game the Big Three has played together in a while. Um, it Honestly, it looks like no chemistry was lost during that time off because they combined for 82 points. So Harden almost had a triple-double, 21 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. Kyrie at 29, KD at 32 points. And I don't know, I guess time off really means nothing if the talent is there because... Outside of the big three, not much of not much help from the supporting cast. Um, Griffin, Harris, Green, Claxton, Shamit, all these guys, they didn't really do much but shoot. So the big three has proven that uh, they don't really need to have any chemistry at all. They can just show up, dish it to their supporting cast, shoot those threes. They can beat any team. And it's kind of sad because the Celtics are without Jalen Brown. They played such a solid game, too. That was a really good game. Um, they played a solid game, just not enough to beat the Nets. I mean, they got too many stars. Not having Jalen Brown is the X factor right now. Jalen Brown is that two guard that can play defense. He can switch to point and play defense on a Kyrie or a James Harden. You know, like, it's just insane how many weapons, like, the Nets have. It's going to be difficult for the Celtics to stop them. So I'm curious to see how that ends. I could see it ending in a sweep, honestly. And then uh, now I'm going to get into our final game from the NBA, Cajal. I think you'll actually enjoy this one because it's the Portland Trailblazers versus the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And Portland actually won 123-109. to 109. It wasn't even close. Like, Nikola Jokic did amazing. He had 34 points and 16 assists. And uh, Michael Porter Jr. also did really well, 25-9. and nine. But not having Jamal Murray, who is their, like, point guard and leader, clearly hurts right now. And it showed. Murray is their closer. If you watch last year's playoffs at all, when it comes to game time, like fourth quarter, Murray was their closer. He's the guy that took all the shots during the clutch, and he made them. So not having him right now is like seriously hurting. Jokic, I'm kind of curious too. Like if he loses in the first round to the Blazers, is he not the MVP? Are they gonna give <laughs> it to Curry? Like I'm actually very curious on that. So we'll see how this goes. And obviously, Michael Porter Jr., man, although he had a solid game, he made a lot of key mistakes. He was taking really bad shots towards the end of the game. He kind of looked kind of scared in, like, moments that time, which is fine. He's a second-year player, 
But, yeah, not having Jamal Murray, really hurting. But dang, dang Portland, man. Damian Lillard, baby. Dame time. He had 34 points and 13 assists. Uh, McCollum had 21 points. And the Blazers, they just, they looked like they wanted to win this game. They looked like they want, they were, they looked like they were the second seed. Mm-hmm. Not the Denver Nuggets. Like, they came out. The second unit played amazing. Like, Melo had, like, I think Melo had 18 points. And Anthony Simons, the dunk contest winner, had 14 points. And Rocco, finally, Blazers fans, I know I've seen you guys on Twitter hating on Rocco, saying that that addition was so bad for you guys. But look at him now, man. He's playing great defense for you guys. He c- caused a couple of turnovers against Michael Porter. Like, Hey, man, I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Portland. So I kind of see a potential upset here. Kajo, what do you think? What do you yeah. think of Portland? <laughs> so the things I've always thought of Portland, I think there are two things to decide if they are going to succeed. Uh, first one is kind of an easier one to see before the game. Uh, is Yusuf Nurkic hurt? <laughs> because if he is not, the Bosnian beast usually is capable of getting it done quite a bit because he's, I don't know, I think he's, I think he's fairly underrated, and I think this game kind of shows it a I little bit. Um, and he's so good at creating opportunities for Lillard and McCollum, you know. Um, and part two is are Lillard and McCollum both cold? Because if they're both hot, it I don't think that I think that there are very few teams that can keep up with them scoring wise. If one of them is hot and the other one's cold, usually they distribute it to each other, mm-hmm. and that's where you'll see Dame get like the forty point nights, or you'll see CJ McCollum just bust out for like thirty six, um, because they're doing their best to fuel each other's games. And they understand, like, typically, the ball shouldn't be in my hands. They have very good chemistry. And I think that this is one of those nights where you saw Nurkic is healthy and Nurkic makes an impact. And then on top of that, you have Lillard and McCollum both popping off. And then you also have guys like Carmelo Anthony who are just producing 18, you know. Yeah. Uh, You have, like, a bunch of guys who are coming up and they're just playing pretty decently. Like, uh, it's the role players in the team that are also getting those extra points that you need to get it done. So Exactly. I, I mean, the thing with playoffs, too, like NBA playoffs specifically, the second unit matters a lot more than it did in the regular season. And it goes to show that a team with a solid second unit and a solid starting lineup like the Trailblazers can't beat a team like the Denver Nuggets. And the second unit for Denver, I'm not going to lie, they didn't do so hot. Mm-hmm. Like Paul Millsap didn't do so hot. And they are missing Will Barton, too, who comes off the second unit and just lights teams up. So that's going to be tough for them. And I don't know. I'm very excited that Portland uh, won last night's game. I hope they can keep it up. Like you said, you never know. One, one day, Lillard could be on fire and McCollum could be cold. One night, they both could be cold. You just never know with Portland. Like It's either they come out to play or they're scared and they run away. Yeah, that's the worst part about the team is like, You'll see, you'll see Lillard hit the game winner from the logo, and then the next week or the next game, he'll just be dropping bricks. Yeah, he'll shoot like after. one for fifteen from and, three, and then like that'll be the game where he's not—he's too scared to give it up and give it to McCollum because McCollum's also not shooting that well. So, um, you—you you never know what you're going to get out of the team. I think the hardest part for them is always consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, when they're on and they're on fire, if they can keep that going, I don't know many teams that can really stop them. Um, just because their shooting is so good. And uh, like you said, that second unit right now, I think that this is one of the better ones that they've built um, and at least had while the rest of their team, you know, has been as hot as they were. Because they had, they had who, like Gary Trent last year? They had Gary Trent and, that came off or came off the bench for them and, and popped he was, off. And it was so sad because last year they weren't at 100%. 
Um, and if they had Gary Trent this year, I think a lot of teams would be looking at them right now. If he, if Gary Trent was giving that same performance, obviously, yeah. and they would and they would be saying like, okay, I think that the Blazers are going to be making it a bit further, but I don't think that they're going to be a uh, first round exits by any means. And I do think that they're going to be making it a little bit farther than we've seen. So you think they're going to upset Denver? I this think round. I think so. Really? I think, that, I think that it might be a little bit of a tighter series. I think that they're probably going to win game two. Um, but then, uh, obviously, Nuggets okay. are probably going to battle back a little bit. But I think that Portland takes it. Okay, I like that prediction because, like I said, Jamal Murray is not in right now. And he is, he is the key factor for Denver. So if they do upset Denver, that'll be kind of fun because then I think they play – I want to say they play – so I think the um, – uh, what's the fourth, fifth seed? I think they're going to play the Mavericks after. Okay. So, well, if the Mavericks, winner of Mavericks Clippers. So, basically, the Portland Trailblazers, if they get a pretty easy schedule, so say say they beat Denver, right? Let's just do hypothetical here. They beat Denver, and let's say, let's say Dallas wins because I believe they hold the season series against Dallas. Do not quote me on that because I could be wrong, like mm-hmm. I was last time. So, I believe they hold the season series against Dallas. So, if they beat Denver and they play Dallas and beat Dallas – you could be seeing Portland in the Western Conference Finals just like that against, like, the Lakers or something like that. Yeah. And it's possible. I mean, I don't see him beating the Lakers, but uh, it's very possible we could see uh, Portland in Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. And then uh, were you going to talk about the game that's uh, 43 seconds away? 43 seconds yep. away. We got, uh, we got the Wizards and uh, 76ers right now in quarter four. Uh, 43 seconds left. Um, Sixers are up uh, 121 to 116. Ooh, on the Wizards, that's yeah. live. Then yep, I didn't even that know that one's live. That one's uh, going on right now. And then uh, Lakers Suns should be starting up sometime soon. Yeah, um, Lakers Suns starts at twelve. Yeah, it should start soon. Hawks Knicks play tonight, and Grizzlies Jazz play tonight. So those are four games for you guys that are coming up. It's gonna be interesting. I'm definitely excited to watch the Hawks and the Knicks play. These are two sorry franchises that have not <laughs> been in the playoffs for like the longest time. And ni- both teams, by the way, except maybe the Hawks, kind of. Some people kind of pick them as their sleeper team, but for most, for most NBA fans, like no one expected these two teams to make it to the playoffs. And the fact that they have the fourth and the fifth seed, kind of impressive. So I'm gonna watch this game. I'm going to check out Julius Randle. I'm going to see how Trey Young performs in the clutch or in the playoffs. So, yeah, those would be some exciting games right there. And uh, before we head on into a break, uh, I did want to ask you. You said that the Heat was going to be the team that could shut down Giannis. You mm-hmm. thought that they were going to be the ones who could uh, really take him out. Um, when it comes to this series, do you think that uh, now after this this last game that they're going to be able to get it done? I know you'll pro- it'll probably be tight, but... Yeah, it'll be, be it, okay, so interesting because going into it, that's what I thought. I thought the Heat could pull off the win against, like they did, oh, the win again, like they did last year because they know how to stop Giannis from getting to the paint. Like, Bam Adebayo plays great defense. He was snubbed for not being nominated for a defensive player of the year, by the way. We'll talk, I mean, we can talk about that whenever we want to talk about that, but, like, that's a different conversation. So do I see it happening? I don't know now. I think Giannis has something to prove this year. I think he's seen all the tweets of people saying he, he's only a regular season player. He can't get it done in the playoffs. He chokes in the playoffs. He's tired of all those narratives, and he saw it, and he's taking it personal, you know, and he's yeah. playing really well. And like I said, Middleton's playing really well too because Middleton, uh, the, like last year's series against the Heat, he didn't, he didn't really show up. Like he had a couple games where he played all right, but he didn't really show up. And this first game of this year, he showed up, so – I think, honestly, like I said, that's going to be the best first-round matchup. I think it's going to be the closest first-round matchup. 
in the in the series or in the playoffs so far. So yeah, I think I think the Heat could still pull it off. I'm not gonna change my prediction. I'm not gonna be that guy. So yeah, <laughs> I still I still got the Heat winning that series. All right, cool. And uh, one more thing, did you like the playing tournament this year? I did not. You didn't like it? No. I, I mean, me and Will talked about this on the news, like on news for the sports segment. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the playing tournament. I like the incentive of it. I like the idea of having teams battle it out for the final seed. Um, it kind of makes the regular season worth it, and so people yeah. can stop resting and stuff. I like that aspect. The aspect I don't like a lot is that it's more games for, I guess, quote unquote, players to play before they get into the playoffs. Like, you look at the Lakers, right? LeBron and AD. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both superstars, and they're both, like, two players that are going to make it far, probably. And the fact that they've had to play, like, another game before, like, they played their playoff series just to make it in, um, I think it's a lot of fatigueness that's going to come from it. Like, injuries could happen. Like, what if LeBron got hurt? He's just coming off that ankle. What if he yeah. injured that ankle again against the Warriors? You know, well, like the Wizards are going are playing right now, uh, and it might be affecting their performance because they just had to play two straight. Yeah, you know? they just they had, had to, to play go two up against straight. the Celtics, and then they they whopped the Pacers. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think it was a I think it was a little bit of a struggle for those teams that had to be in the play-in tournament. But you know, some of them maybe might not have gotten that opportunity otherwise. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, let us know what you think about the play-in tournament. Before we head on into a break, you can text in 509-963-2311. We're going to be talking about some of the best running backs in football. So make sure you stick around. I'm sure you guys will disagree with us a whole lot. But you're listening to the Bench Warmers here on 88 on the Berg. And, yeah, we're looking forward to talking to you guys in a couple minutes. We'll be back after the break. You're back with your favorite benchwarmers here on 88 One The Bird, your music central. Welcome on back to the Benchwarmers here on 88 One The Berg, your sports central for today. Uh, my name's Cajal, and I'm joined here by my co-hosts. Cody Foxay. What is up, everybody, and welcome back. All right. Well, uh, Cody came to me and said, Cajal, you know what I want to do on air? I want to debate you on a topic. Yeah. And, uh, I think that that would be kind of fun. So uh, we're going into it, not really knowing too much <laughs> about what the other person thought. We tried not to talk about it uh, that much beforehand just so it can be like a genuine conversation and we can throw out points. So, yeah. uh, And I'm sure you guys are going to disagree with us. So text in your points on who you think is the best running back and why. 509-963-2311. Love to hear from you guys uh, while we get this thing going. But, Cody... I'm gonna let you go first. You and want I th- me to go first? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I think we should kind of break this down. Okay, um, how do you want to break it down? We should probably have two two little bits, because I know that there's a huge difference in answers for me. If we were talking about, if you were starting a franchise, which running back would you want for this year and this uh, year alone, or which running back would you want for the future? Okay. Um. So, uh, let's start with right now. I mean, honestly, back. the sa- I, I have the same answer for you either one. You have the same one? The okay. same one okay, for okay. either one. So let's, uh, let's hear that then. What, who <laughs> yeah. you got? So whether I'm starting a franchise, whether I'm playing Madden just for fun, whether I'm trying to build around for the future, or whether I'm just talking about the best running back in the league right now, I'm picking Derrick Henry over any other running back in the league. And here's why. It's one reason, honestly, one reason only. His runs after contact, yards after contact, it's literally just that. 
because Derrick Henry has 2,758 yards after contact since the start of 2019, which is almost 1,000 more than any other back in that span. You know, you know who the second running back that has like yards after contact, like Derrick Henry, like the second? I think it's Nick. I, I don't have it on me right now. But I was reading, I think it was Nick Chubb with like 1,900 okay. yards. And Derrick Henry just demolishes everyone. Um, I think Derrick Henry just, his, um, his build is what you look for in a running back. Like, I mean, it's not what you look for in a running back. But it's if you can have Derrick Henry, like his build, 6'3", almost 230, just built like an ox at your running back, I don't know how you say no to that. Obviously, a lot of teams have different systems, like the Chiefs and the Niners. They want smaller, faster, speedy guys. But I just think in general, like if you saw a prospect that was 6'3", 230, and could run a 4.6, I don't know, 6'4", I don't know his actual 40. I'm just guessing here. 4.64 with like 2,500 yards back on like more to back-to-back seasons like as of late. Mm-hmm. I just don't see a running back that's doing it better than Derrick Henry right now. I don't see many teams that can stop Derrick Henry right now, and it's just insane what he can do with the ball in his hand. Yeah, okay. So I, I do agree with you that Derrick Henry is one of the most unique running backs, but um, when it comes to who I would want for one season, I, I can guarantee you I do not want Derrick Henry for longevity. I promise you that because Derrick Henry for longevity – uh, it's just terrible because of how violently he runs the ball. Um, so let's focus on uh, one year for right now. When you look at who you would want for one year, I like Derrick Henry a lot. I know he rushes for a lot of yards, uh, but I don't think he gives you the versatility that you really need in your main running back. And that's why I would be looking at, if I was going one season, someone like Alvin Kamara. Or someone like Christian McCaffrey. It's really hard to argue for Christian McCaffrey right now. Um, And it's kind of hard to argue for Alvin Kamara. I would go Dalvin Cook primarily. Because Dalvin Cook, when you look at what he's able to produce. Last season he did, uh, what, like 1,500 yards. So he was 500 behind uh, Derrick Henry in terms of pure rushing. Mm -hmm. But then on top of that, um, he had a pretty good amount of receiving yards, I think. Uh, And then he finished with one less touchdown. You know, and I think that he's going to be one of those guys where if you need him on passing downs, he's there. If you need him on running downs, he's definitely there. And he's always a home run threat, just like Derrick Henry is. The only difference is Derrick Henry runs the ball a lot more because that's all that Derrick Henry can do. And while I do like him, uh, I don't think that there's going to be anyone who's really um, who's really able to compete with a. with Dalvin Cook, but uh, someone just texted in and said Cody's absolutely right. So, uh, so thank you, whoever texted in. Thank <laughs> you. I just, I like, like I said, man. Like literally, I'm. I mean, I kind of picked like the really easy answer here because yeah. Derrick Henry, he can literally carry an offense. I mean, Dalvin Cook can too. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, De- he carries Kirk Cousins on his back. Like Derrick Henry carries Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill hasn't been bad. He's been one of the top quarterbacks for a long he has time. mike like, vrabel to thank for that okay honestly okay. mike vrabel is a great coach uh, ryan Tannehill switch places with kirk cousins kirk cousins would be doing just as fine i promise you that okay so derrick henry legitimately can carry any team he wants um maybe besides like i don't know a really what's what's a really bad maybe like 
uh, the, the the Chargers or something. Maybe he couldn't carry that team if they had like a <laughs> really bad quarterback not named Justin Herbert. So <laughs> I don't know. I just don't see a scenario where Derrick Henry like just doesn't scare the opposing defense. Oh, no, he does. He does. I think he's very physically imposing. I think when the game gets deep, you're, you're looking for um, – or when the game goes deep, he's going to be the guy that's just really wearing out a defense. I would not want to mess with him. But when – uh, when you look at what a running back can do, so someone else texted in and said uh, Derrick Henry is the definition of what a running back's designed for. I disagree. I disagree because I think old school, if you look at old school, you can make that argument back in the 90s that a running back is designed to get the ball and run. Mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson was the best running back in the league because Adrian Peterson, all he could do was run, and he was very good at it. But when you look at overall running backs today, what running backs are pure running backs? You don't really have a lot of them. Dalvin Cook can catch. Christian McCaffrey can catch. Alvin Kamara can catch. Saquon can catch. All these guys are catching out of the backfield, and they're taking it for 10, 20 yards. Yeah. So when it comes to, like, one year, who do I want? Um, I I think that this one's kind of a losing argument because I do think Dalvin Cook or Nick Chubb, <laughs> w- I would kind of like them, but it's really hard to compete with Derrick Henry right now. But I will go for the sake of longevity. But the I, thing is, okay, sorry. You go got, ahead, go ahead. Okay, you, yo, you do your thing. I mean, you said you said longevity, but the thing is, Derrick Henry has been running like a monster and just bulldozing people, and he has not been hurt like the past two yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Like he, I mean, knock. I'm knocking on wood now. I hope I didn't just jinx him from this coming season, but he has not been hurt at all. And you're talking about like receiving and all that stuff, but at the same time, it's like Derrick Henry doesn't need that to be dominant. Like. Obviously, Kamara can also carry a team doing it on the both ends. But here's the thing. If you told Alvin Kamara to strictly be a running back, not be a receiving back as well, I just don't think he'd be as good as a running back. Like all these uh, new running backs coming in nowadays, we're kind of like seeing a new era of running backs that can actually like catch the ball or catch the ball and run it and take it for like 30, 15, like 40 yards like down the field. Mm -hmm. And Derrick Henry kind of just fits that running back caliber team where every every like the opposing defense they're they're going to come into the game plan they're going to game plan for Derrick Henry how do we stop Derrick Henry from running the ball that's it like that's all he does and you still can't stop him like i just yeah. you know but the but the problem is um the problem i have with your thesis is when you look at just how a player plays right uh, you can't say if you take away Christian McCaffrey's ability to receive the ball, then he's going to run worse. Because that's like saying if you take away Michael Thomas's ability to run slants, he's not going to play as good. Yeah, okay, cool. He's You're right, but he can run slants, and he still receives for some of the most yards in the league when he plays a complete season. But that's why Michael Thomas isn't the best receiver in the league, though. Uh, but That's he, why it, it what's his face, C-Mac, I would, rather, you know? I would rather have one guy who can do something very, 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 very well over and over and over again. Than someone who can do a bunch of diverse things, you know. Derrick um, Henry, you just described Derrick yeah, okay, Henry. There okay, you go. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> there, we go. there we go. But <laughs> um, but uh, you didn't let me finish. One guy who can sorry. do a bunch of things, average. Um, and when you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey can run the ball extremely well, and he can receive the ball very well. So yes, I agree with you that Derrick Henry is going to be better than a guy who can also catch and also receive, but not a guy who can do everything extraordinarily. And I think when you look at Dalvin Cook, he's the kind of guy who can receive the ball very, very well. If he gets a screen pass, he can be gone any minute of the day. But then you also have him running almost just as well 
as Derrick Henry. And I think the only problem with Dalvin Cook might be durability. And yes, Derrick Henry hasn't gotten hurt a lot lately. But are you really going to look at me and say that a violent runner like Derrick Henry, who puts his body through tons of pain season after season, just hitting dudes, isn't going to slow down a little bit faster? You don't think he's going to slow down a little bit? Because when I see him, I look at guys like, I would rather have a guy like Jonathan Taylor for longevity, who just came off and became one of like the third best rushers in the league. And he's and he's a nice little uh, he's a nice little guy who doesn't necessarily receive for a lot, but is, he does rush for a good amount, and he doesn't do it as violently as Derrick Henry. The thing is, longevity doesn't matter to me in, at, at the running back position because the running back position. No offense, like Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, all these guys that we're talking about could be replaced honestly by another college running back that just does like well. Like I feel like Derrick Henry. Like, yeah, longevity might be, like, a concern for him. I honestly think he could last another four or five years just bulldozing guys because no one can tackle him. No one can hold him down. Like, sometimes it takes, like, one to two guys. Like, I've seen Bobby Wagner struggle to go one-on-one with uh, Dalvin Cook. Or not not Dalvin Cook, uh, Derrick Henry. And he struggled, like... I don't know, man. I, I, longevity, it's, it's interesting you bring up longevity because I just feel like the running back position is so easily, like, not so easily. I say it like it's so easy, but, like, out of all positions, it's the easiest to replace. Like, if you, if you lose your star running back, you could have another solid running back and still be a good team. You look at the Niners, for, Niners, for example. We don't have a star running back, but we still can do great things with, like, a Raheem Mostert, a Tevin Coleman, you know, all these guys that maybe no one has heard of before. Like, that's because your guys' line is nasty. Like, yeah. Like that's, that's what that's I'm just the line. That's that's, the line that's what I'm saying. Like if Derrick Henry gets hurt, they could have they could just find another solid running back and just build that line if they want to, if they don't want to find another Derrick Henry type of caliber. So you think player. Derrick Henry is a replaceable asset? Derrick Henry, I said if he were to get hurt in the long run, they could replace him. Okay. As of I, now, no. Because they're not I, replacing th- I him. think I don't think that that marks a great player. If you, they are a replaceable, so is Dalvin Cook. You, Dalvin Cook's not replaceable. Oh yes, he is. Dude, did you see how many games they lose when Dalvin Cook is off the field? You could put Saquon Barkley in there, and he'd have the same numbers as Dalvin. As and look Dalvin at Cook. look at Christian McCaffrey. Like yeah. he was hurt. Yeah, he was hurt the entire season. Yeah, he was hurt, and that team struggled. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, in our next coming segment, because uh, that team really did go down the toilet. Uh, but we have someone else texting in, uh, says, uh, McCaffrey's on a mediocre team. Catching running backs do not lead to strong teams. Uh, he's a great fan- great for your fantasy team, but not a great person to build your Agreed. team around. And I think another okay. thing, too, why people like these newer running backs that can catch is because of fantasy football. You guys play too much fantasy football, and you <laughs> okay. see Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, and Dalvin Cook like lighting it up for your opponents. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's the best like running back. In the-. No, 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 no. Let's not get it twisted here. Like, I just think that Derrick Henry is your typical running back that all teams game plan for. He does only one thing, run the ball, and you still can't stop him. You can't. Yeah, but the problem is... Like, you're thinking with an old-school football, like, thought. Like, one of the last texts that we just got was from Danny. And Danny, if you know anything, is, like, very old-school, like, football kind of guy. Like, doesn't think that Lamar Jackson should be a quarterback because Lamar Jackson runs the ball a lot. Like, the NFL landscape is changing. And while Derrick Henry, I will n- I'm not saying he's a bad running back. 
I'm saying he doesn't give you diversity in your offense. And for Mike Vrabel's offense, that might be okay because it allows Ryan Tannehill to get some play actions off. It allows him to kind of do his own thing. But you do not get the diversity with Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry cannot catch a ball. You want to be able on third down to have your best running back out on the field. Am I wrong? Yeah. I'm wrong that you don't want your best running back out on the field. No, 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 you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You want your best running back, of course. So you can't put Derrick Henry out there. You can, but you can put guys like Alvin Kamara. You can put Christian McCaffrey. You can put whomever. You can't put guys like Derrick Henry out no, there. Oh, not, no, no. You're telling I me disagree. on third and eight, you put you put Derrick Henry out on the field. I'm putting Derrick Henry out on the field. Yeah, I'm not gonna run the ball on third and eight. No, who's gonna run the ball on third and eight? Exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw. I mean, here's the thing. You said Derrick Henry can't catch the ball. That's not true. He can. He just doesn't do it as often. He doesn't need to. That team doesn't need to. That's just how the system they're that system they're playing in. Mike Vrabel is probably an old school type of coach. The way he runs his plays. If he wasn't, he would not. However, fit in like a Shanahan system. No. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's a new era of running, and I think that that just helps my point too because the fact that we're getting to a new era of that running backs are now receiving the ball and Derrick Henry is still playing old school, but he's still like I think he is still the best running back in the league. Or if he's not top four, top two, like he's up there and he's only running the ball. That just kind of shows like he can, even though all these guys are newer, he can still play old school ball and be successful. Okay. Good talk. Good talk. <laughs> we, uh, we have to wrap it up cause we're reaching the top of the hour. I have to play legal and Ray just got here. So, uh, make sure you stick around. We're going to be talking a lot about, uh, just teams around the NFC. We're going to be probably talking about your favorite team. So, uh, make sure you text in 509-963-2311. If you listen to the last segment, Tell us what your opinion is, because uh, we'll probably bring those up after the break. But for now, you're listening to the Bench Warmers here on 88 on the Berg. Make sure you stick around. We're going to have Ray Green of, uh, I don't know what their show's called, Sports Bros, whatever. But, yep, yeah, I can see him in, stu- in studio, so be ready. We'll be back in a couple minutes. We're back with your favorite Bench Warmers here on 88 on the Berg, your music central. We are back, bench warmers here at the one o'clock hour. My name's Cajal, joined here by my awesome co-host. What's going on, everyone? It's Cody here, and yes, still here to talk about <laughs> some sports, baby. All right, and we have an amazing guest. I'm very excited we could get him on before the quarter ends. We got awesome Ray Green. How you doing, Ray? Doing really good. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I thought it would be a fun idea as we kind of drift into the NFL uh, offseason landscape where we're going to get to pretty much nothing going on. Like we have gotten past the draft. We've gotten past the combine. We've gotten past pretty much every exciting thing. Now it's just going to be like the rookie mini camps. We're going to be getting into like some of the other mini camps, but like that's not for a long ways away. So um, I figure let's just put a bow on everything. Talk about like a nice recap of what happened during the offseason and uh, talk about what's going to be coming up for the team in the season. And we're going to be giving each team a nice three minutes. Today we're going to be talking about NFC. If this segment goes well, then uh, some other week in the future we're going to be talking about AFC. So how is this going to work? Well, each team is going to be given three minutes. And uh, at some point, you guys are probably going to hear this sound. If you hear that sound, it means that there's one minute left to talk about each team, just so that we know uh, we have a nice little basis to go off of. And then we're going to get like a little 10 second timer and then uh, we'll move on to the next team. Does that make sense for you guys? Yep. Yes, sir. All right. So 
With that being said, let's just kick it off and start off in the NFC East. I am going to go with the Washington football team. Uh, so you look at this team, head of the division. They made the playoffs in a very, very, very weak NFC East, like probably one of the worst divisions in football, one of the worst I've seen in years. Um, but, you know, this offseason, they made some nice moves. They got William Jackson, who's a cornerback from the Bengals, was playing well. They got Curtis Samuel, wide receiver from the Panthers, like a nice hybrid running back receiver. And then they also got Adam Humphreys from the Titans, and uh, they're both going to join Terry McLaurin. So that's going to be probably a pretty fire receiving core. And then on top of that, they add Ryan Fitzpatrick, who uh, Fitzmagic, you know, sometimes he gets it done. And uh, he had a pretty nice season with the Dolphins. And, you know, they fixed their O-line with Charles Leno and Brandon Scherf. So definitely a lot of good things with their offseason. In terms of the bads, like all they lost was Ronald Darby, which was like kind of a middling loss for him. And then Ryan Kerrigan was their biggest loss. Defensive end, they lose to the Eagles, which you hate to see him go to a division rival. And then uh, for the draft, they just strengthened their defense. They looked at their team. They said, our defense is our strength. And they get Jamin Davis, who's a linebacker out of Kentucky. And then they fix a little bit more with their tackles by getting Sam Cosme out of Texas. So they get their two biggest needs. But the question is, you didn't draft a quarterback? You didn't draft a quarterback? So um, big question for you guys is, this seems to be the only team in the division that doesn't think that they have their quarterback of the future. They don't have their franchise guy. Whether or not you think Daniel Jones is the answer isn't like actually like the question um they don't have they don't think they have their guy of the future but do you think that this is going to be a team where their defense can carry them again into the playoffs and fits magic will be enough to get it done or do you think that this team's going to fall short i think so i think um fits fits magic is like you never really know what you're going to get out of fits magic you could get a really good player that comes in throws for like 98 percent you know completion percentage and like five touchdowns or you can get a guy that comes in throws like five picks you never know what you're going to get from Fitzpatrick, but the thing is... Keep going. Why do you do there's that? a minute left. It just oh, means there's a minute left. Oh, you, that, that goes automatically? Yeah, it goes automatically. Oh, I thought you just yeah. hit it. I, was no, like, I got hey, a minute timer or three-minute timer. Going. Okay, well, anyways, uh, yeah, I think that defense is good enough to carry uh, Fitzmagic or whoever is playing quarterback for the football team. All right, what about you, Ray? Yeah, I think that Fitzmagic is going to be good enough just because that's a sick receiving core with uh, Curtis Samuel and uh, ter Scary Terry. I mean... And they also have two two really good running backs at Gibson and McKissick. So, yeah. I mean, that's going to be a really solid team to beat. I mean, I don't see them doing too much or putting too much on Fitzmagic in order to them to make the playoffs because that defense is really good. They carried them last year with <laughs> Heineke, right? With yeah, the, Taylor yeah. Heineke. With Taylor mm -hmm. Heineke. So, if Fitzmagic can't do it, I don't know who can. <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, I think that that defense might be stacked enough uh, for them to be able to get it done. But – Honestly, who knows with this team? Because uh, Fitzmagic, he's either going to be really, really hot or he's going to be really incredibly cold. All right, now let's move on to our next team. we got the Dallas Cowboys. Ray, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so the Dallas Cowboys, we finished. This is my favorite team, by the way. So <laughs> we finished at the bottom tier of the conference, right right above the, the Eagles, which I actually appreciate that we finished right above them because I definitely despise them a little bit. <laughs> but this offseason, I mean, we added uh, the safety from Atlanta Falcons. Uh, can, I think it's Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal. Keanu, Keanu Neal. Yeah. Nasty. He's a really good safety. I liked him. Uh, we still added Jordan Lewis. And then in the draft, we got some guys from uh, – We got some. I forgot who it was, but we drafted a corner. Oh, Sertan. Pat Sertan, yeah. Was it Sertan? No, no, no. The, it, so uh, they're, the was Cowboys' first-round pick was, uh, was Parsons, Micah Parsons' linebacker. Yeah, we got Parsons in the first round. Did they not get a corner? Got, oh, we sorry, got a corner, bad. but I can't remember who it was yeah. from. 
Um, I'll look it up, but you can keep going. Yeah. But I really actually didn't like the draft that they got because they picked up two linebackers with Jabril Cox and then Michael Parsons. Even though we lost Sean Lee, I feel like um, we had a decent linebacker core. We only needed one linebacker, and Michael Parsons at the first-round pick is definitely the only one that you needed to go with. Mm -hmm. And then I was very, very kind of disappointed that we didn't add any other corners because if you look at that division, every team strengthened their receiving core, and then everyone else has a pretty decent defense. But our like my Cowboys, our defensive end, the corners was our weakest spot, and we didn't add anybody, mm-hmm. anybody that was like big time, or we didn't try to make any moves, we didn't make any trades, we didn't trade up for no more draft picks. Honestly, we probably could have got uh, Parsons later in the draft. Um, so yeah, if you if you look at the division, you got to guard guys like Devontae Smith, <laughs> Scary Terry, and then now Curtis Samuel. Uh, and then Kenny Galladay is now at the Big Apple. Mm-hmm. So it's like good luck trying to guard all those guys with no big-time corners or safeties besides uh, a new addition with Neil. But I think that's going to be tough. I don't know. So my question for you guys would be, do you think that this Cowboys defense can handle any of the receivers in the NFCs? You go ahead. Okay, I was going to say I kind of agree with you there, Ray. I really was kind of upset that the Cowboys didn't address their secondary. I mean, they kind of got – I think Sertan, I was, I was wrong. Sertan slipped like right before them to the Broncos, right? Yeah, so yeah. it kind of sucks that they weren't able to grab that corner because that's definitely the guy they wanted, I think. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Cowboys to, like, for, their defensive, for the, their defensive backs to match up with all these young, like, really good receivers. But the thing with the Cowboys, though, their offense is really good. That's the thing I will give to them. Their offense is fire. So maybe they could keep up with that offense, kind of like how like the beginning of last year was when Dak Prescott was playing. Like y'all, y'all lost some close games, but y'all also won some really close games. So yeah, I just gotta say really fast, I do think that uh, your guys' offense is gonna be able to keep up because that's what they were doing when Dak before Dak went out. So it's true. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our next team. Cody, why don't you kick us off? All righty. Going into our next team, we got the New York Giants. Now, interesting offseason because, obviously, they signed a ton of weapons for Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. They signed Kenny Galladay, John Ross, and Kyle Rudolph in the offseason. And, uh, obviously, to go along with other weapons like Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. And then in the draft with their first-round pick, they drafted another weapon for Danny Dimes, a wide receiver, uh, Kadarius Tooney, I think, believe his name is. Yeah. And then in the second round, they got a linebacker in Aziz Ojulari. Uh, they got a corner in the third, another linebacker in the fourth, a running back in the sixth, and a corner in the sixth. So they actually did address their defense, which I believed was a big problem for them last year. Um, not like a huge problem, but like they had solid defense. I just think that a little key pieces they needed to secure that team. So... Honestly, I really like this Giants offseason. Obviously, they <laughs> did pretty well um, in a terrible division. They almost, I mean, weren't they, I think they were third in their division yeah, they, they, ran, they ended up. So they did pretty solid. Uh, this is the year. Going into the offseason, they needed to address the quarterback position. Was it Daniel Jones? Were they going to give him another time? Or was it someone else? So now that I've talked about all these weapons that they have, my question to you guys is, is this the year Danny Dimes does well? Like, how do you think he'll do? I think Daniel Jones will actually do really good. They added uh, Kenny Galladay to that team. So um, I think he has at least a couple people to throw to now. But, I mean, I don't know if the, how the offensive line did last year. I think they only allowed maybe, like, a couple sacks. Not too many sacks, mm-hmm. but they weren't – he wasn't hit too much. But um, I think that with the addition to Kenny Galladay, 
that team will be pretty decent. I don't know if they'll win the division or not, but I think they'll make a run for it. Yeah, I think uh, when you look at this team, it's so hard to look at them and be like, this team's going to be bad because there's so much talent. There's so much talent when you look at this roster, and it just sucks the fact that if Daniel Jones is not good, you're going to see so much of it just go to waste, and Kenny Galladay is going to have a really rough time, and it's going to be sad seeing his career go like that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I do think it's really, really hard to watch the Giants and look at them and be like, man, this team you know, could fall by the wayside if Daniel Jones isn't good. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's going to be interesting. He has no more excuses now, unless obviously injuries happen because injuries do happen. But if this team stays healthy, especially this offense, if they stay healthy, uh, mainly keep an eye on Saquon. If they can stay healthy, Daniel Jones has no excuses. Yeah, that's also good. that's also a big thing is Saquon was out a lot of the year. So uh, it's just what we saw last year was kind of a taste. Their yeah. defense is so incredibly good. Like yeah. that was that was a really under the radar one. I know a lot of people might not think of it that way, but their defense and offense, it could be loaded and they could be favorites uh, in a couple weeks after the season. Honestly, it's free real estate. All right. So now let's move on to our next team. We're going to be talking about uh, the Eagles. They are the they were the worst team in a super weak division. But that was primarily because of the struggles of Carson Wentz. There was something wrong with Doug Peterson. It just wasn't working. But now they move on to a new head coach with the Colts OC Nick Sirianni taking over. And uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, he took over and he had a few up and down starts. Um, and when you look at their additions in the offseason, they brought in Joe Flacco. I don't know how much you expect Joe Flacco to do, but Joe Flacco is an option to put behind Jalen Hurts in case he does struggle. And then you have Ryan Kerrigan, like we said, bringing in another defensive end. And then on Johnson from the Lions, who, you know, he's going to be a nice complimentary back. Very good, but he's just always injured. But then for losses, they lost a lot. They lose Wentz because they traded him. They lose Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, their defensive end, Vinnie Curry, uh, running back Corey Clement. Uh, and, it, you know, they were all injured anyway, but that's the reason they finished fourth in the division. And now they don't have those guys. But in the draft, they were able to grab Devonta Smith to uh, pair with Jalen Rager, which is going to be kind of nice because now you got the Heisman winner chilling in Philly. And then uh, you get Alabama center Landon Dickerson. So just some extra protection for Jalen Hurts. Now, I don't think they addressed their need for corner. Uh, as Ray said, that's going to be a division that is very heavily in need of cornerbacks because the receivers in that group are going to all be so good. Um, and they didn't address it till fourth round was Zach McPherson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, stop if you heard that name before. But um, my question for you guys. Eagles, you know, they may not be looking to win right now, they, but they've got a really young core. Now, from what we saw from Jalen Hurts last year, do you think that he's going to be the guy who's able to carry them moving forward, or do you think they might be looking at a different option in a couple of years? I hope so. I, I really like Jalen Hurts as a player, and I love the fact that they paired, it up, paired him up with a receiver that he's familiar with, like Devontae Smith. They even got his other boy, Landon Dickerson, to snap the ball for him. Like, mm -hmm. this is... This is a solid trio right here, the one, two, three trio. No one's really going to look at Dickerson, but who cares? Um, I think Hertz is going to have a fine year. He's going to play solid. My only thing is Doug Peterson has been a little suspect of whether or not he wants to play Hertz, whether or not he wants Hertz like, on the bench. Like, So I don't know. Doug Peterson could do some random thing and just start Joe Flacco just because he feels like it. You know, he could trade Hurts somewhere for like trade Hurts to Houston for Deshaun Watson. Like you don't know what what they're going to do. So if Hurts stays, has a solid year, I think he can do well. How about you, Ray? Yeah, for the Eagles, I just think that um, they're going to have to establish a decent run game. Mm -hmm. Because Alabama, when Hurts was playing there, that's what 
he depended on was that run game, so then you could open up the pass game for him. I don't see him as a pass first type of guy. And I mean, his pocket presence is good, but he's also pretty mobile. So um, I don't see him. I don't see him leading the league or doing something spectacular. But I don't see him carrying this team either. But I definitely think he'll be able to um, shoulder some loads when he needs to. All right, now we're going to move on to the NFC South. Ray, why don't you kick us off with the Saints? Yeah, so let's look at the Saints. I mean, the Saints draft. I didn't. I wasn't really impressed with their draft. They didn't really add anybody like spectacular. Like if you look, like I'll I'll name off just like their top three picks in the first three rounds, right? So the first pick that they had was Peyton Turner. Yeah. Yeah. Ring any <laughs> bells if you heard that. And then another guy, a linebacker from Ohio State. You might you might have heard of him, but his name is Petey Warner. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I've only heard of him because he was that guy that was guarding Devontae Smith on a streak route. Or, yeah, Devontae Smith on a streak route. And I couldn't believe that they had him one-on-one with Devontae Smith <laughs> in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and then the third-round pick was Paulson Adebo. Mm-hmm. He's a corner out of Stanford, which he's a pretty decent corner. I think he had a high PPF grade. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they're, they didn't add anything exciting. They didn't help. They didn't help their quarterback situation out with James Winston because uh, with Breeze retiring, I feel like they needed to draft a quarterback here. I mean, they had a late first-round pick. They could have got somebody. I mean, there were still some guys on the board that were really available and could have added some depth to this team and p- apply some pressure to James Winston because you never know what you're going to get out of him. So, I mean, there's that. I mean, they re-signed uh, Emmanuel Sanders, but I just don't think – that they added enough help around Jameis Winston. So my question to you guys is, who do you what do you think about this Saints team moving forward? Who do they need, or is is it just going to be another same thing as last year? Yeah, I mean, obviously they need a quarterback, right? Because I can kind of, I mean, I think you can we can speak for all Saints fans and all the Saints organization here that uh, they don't want Jameis as their franchise quarterback going forward. So definitely going to need a quarterback. But the thing is. I'm I'm curious if like they're kind of just doing like a like a what the heck type of year. Like why not? Let's just throw Winston out there, see what he does with uh, a solid, you know, receiving core and a solid I mean not solid, a great running back in the back. So, I think Jameis Winston's going to surprise a lot of people actually. I'm kind of hoping for him, rooting for him. Yeah, um I think that their biggest blunder, honestly, was you take that uh you take Turner, but Elijah Moore sitting on the board. You know, and the the biggest thing that, that I think they need is to go. You need to go wide receiver to get Jameis some help. I know Jameis probably isn't going to be the guy, but he's got the tools to be. He sat behind Breeze for a year. Just give the man like a little bit of time. And if it doesn't work out, you get a high draft pick next year. You can do yeah. whatever you want. You can grab a quarterback. Yep. Um, but you didn't get him get him any weapons. And instead, you said, we're going to grab defensive pieces, potentially. Uh, it looked like they grabbed a Marcus Davenport replacement, which that pick's working out great after not drafting Lamar Jackson years ago. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, uh, you're just saying Alvin Kamara is going to run this ball for us. And I think that's the identity they're trying to build. But really, I think the Saints should be a passing team. Nice. you got to give them a chance. All right. Now, <laughs> Cody, uh, why don't you move us on to the Super Bowl-winning Bucks? Yes, sir. Yes, the Bucks came off one of our the best season because they just won the Super Bowl. And they had an extremely exciting offseason, uh, pretty much re-signing everyone. Now, if you're brand new to, like, how the offseason, like, the winners of the Super Bowl, like, what usually happens after they win, this is very rare. 
Usually a team that wins the Super Bowl loses a lot of their pieces and sometimes could just go into the lottery like right away. So this that that's exact that's extremely rare that the Bucks pretty much re-sign everyone from that Super Bowl winning team. Brady's coming back, Godwin's coming back, Gronk's coming back, and Dominic Sue's coming back, Levante David, Leonard Fournette, and a lot more. And obviously also they added uh Giovanni Bernard, Cajo's favorite player. So yep. he should help out uh with that offense and Obviously, they're a great team. They just won the Super Bowl. Everyone's the same. So the draft, honestly, I like their draft, even though um, they really – because I can't think of positions. I want to critique them on positions they need, but they <laughs> they really don't need any positions. I mean, I guess they could get a younger quarterback, which is what they did in the second round, drafting Kyle Trask. Um, obviously, they got Joe T- – I'm, I'm going to say his last name wrong. Tryon, Tryon. 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 Okay, yeah, Joe Tryon outside linebacker with their last pick and then they got a tackle in the third so my question or question to you guys is do you think because at this point i think the only thing that could stop the bucks from uh going back to back is their age so do you think that age will affect their back-to-back title run hopes and i guess a follow-up question is um Will having too many weapons affect it maybe? Maybe guys will complain about not having too many weapons or, I'm sorry, not having too much touch or whatever because Brady, you know, he likes to move the ball around a lot. So Yeah, I think uh, when you looked at this team, the reason that they did so well is because they had so many weapons because they have so much depth. Uh, Chris Godwin goes out. Mike Evans goes out. It didn't matter because they had guys to win the games for him. And then in the playoffs, everyone was healthy. Everything worked, and that's how they got by. So I think this was a great uh, key to success for him was just maintaining, maintaining, maintaining. And if other guys show up for you, that's awesome. Maybe trade them away for your future. Or if other guys show up for you, that's awesome. Maybe get them more reps in the offense or in the offense or the defense. Just get them in the starting lineup. So um, I really liked what they did. I think it's a good key to success for him. What about you, Ray? Yeah, I, I'm really happy that they ran it back. I think that's really cool and unique. And, I mean, I don't think Father Time will really ever catch up to Tom Brady. <laughs> I feel like that dude doesn't age. <laughs> Or he just doesn't, he's just not human, you know. He's kind of like those uh, generational, he's a generational talent for sure, kind of like LeBron. Yeah. But I think, uh, I don't think that they'll have a problem with the touches issue, only because last year no one complained and no one was like over their head about it. So I feel like it'll be the same thing this year moving forward. All right, and now let's move on to our next team, the Carolina Ponters. We have uh, a team that showed a lot of great, like signs you know they're a team on the rise obviously they're they were rebuilding last year but i think that they're kind of moving up this year uh and they had a great start under head coach matt rule even though they went five and eleven uh christian mccaffrey was hurt so i think five and eleven was pretty good for this team not something they expected and they had a lot of guys like jeremy chin come out where you didn't expect them to be superstars but chin was absolutely awesome and then they had a uh, derrick brown i believe um, and for or for additions, obviously they got Sam Darnold. That's a super exciting add. Dan Arnold, underrated signing for them for at tight end. Uh, just another weapon to give him. Uh, and then you have AJ Bouye, Hassan Reddick from the Cardinals, and then Denzel Perryman. You're just bolstering that defense. So they did a lot of moves to get better starters out on the field. And the only guys they really lost, Teddy Bridgewater, who they were planning on getting rid of anyway. Trey Boston, uh, that was a tougher loss, but they, they replaced him. And then Curtis Samuel. And 
he was probably the biggest loss of all the players. But they immediately made up for it in the draft. They got uh, Terrace Marshall from LSU mm. to replace oh. Samuel. So yeah, now they just, uh, instead of having three small guys running around on the field, they got two really small, fast guys and one really big, pretty fast guy <laughs> uh, with Terrace Marshall. And then they get J.C. Horn, uh, cornerback from South Carolina. I think Great. they should have taken Sertan, but nothing going to be wrong with Horn, I don't think. Uh, you get tight end Tommy Tremble. Uh, out of Notre Dame, pretty good guy. And then a snipe. You get Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State, who, like, led college football in rushing, like, two years ago. Um, and then I think he had an injury, and then he went out because of the injury because he didn't want – or he uh, – what's it called? He did the COVID. He opted, he, out. He opted, he opted out. out. Yeah, he opted, he opted out. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a great pick for him. Uh, and my question is for you guys, like, this team looks pretty stacked. Like, this roster looks pretty good, and I think it all hinges on Sam Darnold. So how do you guys think that Sam Darnold will do – um, and then I'll ask a second question after that if we have time. But how do you think Sam Darnold's going to do in this team? I, I think he'll do really well. Uh, obviously, he has weapons around him, DJ Moore, um, Robbie Anderson, and Terrace Marshall now to you know throw to. He also, I, I don't know how their line is. I want to say their line is pretty solid. It's aight. It, it's aight. I want to say it's aight. So hmm. we'll see how, uh, how much he gets hit and all that. And obviously, hopefully we can see a healthy CMC back this year because, you know, he's going to help out any offense. And he can... Him himself can obviously carry this team to like four or five wins. So with Darnold playing, I think he's better than Teddy B. So I think he'll be all right. What about you, Ray? Yeah, I feel like people kind of underappreciated Sam Darnold. And he was making a lot of big-time throws with the Jets, and he didn't have anyone to really throw to. Mm-hmm. You know, So I feel like he def- he's definitely going to have a breakout year this year. And he doesn't have to do too much with CMC back healthy. And then he just a good receiving core. All he has to do is make some good throws. And I don't think that they're going to put him in situations that he's going to fail in. So yeah, he'll be fine. All right. And uh, quick yes or no. D- uh, if Darnold's good, wild card team, yes or no? Yes. I would say they can do that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to lean the same way. All right, Ray, why don't you kick us off with the fourth team in that division last year, the Falcons? Yeah, so looking at the Falcons, I got to get right into that draft pick. Kyle Pitts. I'm. I was really. I was really, really big on this guy coming into the draft. I didn't know where he was going to go. He could have went first. He could have went second. He was kind of jumping around with whoever's <laughs> going to take him. He ended up dropping to fourth, which isn't bad. He gets. He gets to play with Matt Ryan, potentially Julio Jones if he if Julio Jones ends up stay, ends up staying. And they also added some uh, some uh, some good help on their defense, which they definitely needed because when they were up in big games. Or in close games, they just didn't have any defense to back them up. So they ended up drafting a safety, Richie uh, Richie Grant. Then they also drafted another corner uh, with uh, Dar- uh, Darren Hall. They're not big-name guys, but they're also solid guys. Like, if you look at some of the guys that were drafted before them, they were, like, A grades. I would give these guys, like, B grades, which isn't too bad. You can still develop these guys, and you can still um, – you could, yeah, you can develop these guys, and you can still play good football with these mm-hmm. guys too. Yeah. I mean, and then with Kyle Pitts added to that Atlanta offense, I think they're going to be fire. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm actually really excited to watch them play. <laughs> I think they might compete for the for the top of that division. Wow, wow, and that's just my hot take. Okay, for <laughs> okay, this, for this year, that's my hot take. <laughs> that's sure. a tough division, but I like that. Yeah, and then so I guess my question for you guys is: Do you think that they added enough? pieces around Matt Ryan and then help the defense enough to compete for that division. The Falcons are so interesting, right? Because they're known for choking. That's what they do. Yes. Mm-hmm. They they go up big and then they just choke it away. Especially last season. Yeah, especially last season. So the thing with the Falcons is that 
their offense even before Kyle Pitts. Also, I'm very excited to watch Kyle Pitts too. I think he's phenomenal. But even before Kyle Pitts, their offense wasn't the issue. You know, Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, he's still playing solid. They still got Ridley and Julio that can play really well. They got their slot receiver, whatever his name is. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> like, these are solid guys. So I hope so. Just don't choke. Uh, stay healthy on defense. And, yeah, I think they could compete for a top spot in the NFC South. Biggest question is, and reports all lean this way, are they going to trade away Julio? Because – Right now, if you trade away Julio, like, what are you getting? What are you getting? You're not getting anyone that can help you win right now. In truth, you're probably getting, like, from what I've heard, is, like, a second-round pick. Maybe a first, but probably, like, a second-round pick. And uh, they kind of got to do it for cap space. But if they yeah. if they can avoid that, then, yeah. I think that this team is going to be able to shoot out with anyone. Yeah. And that's what's going to be fun about them. But they really got to keep that offense together if they want to be able to do that. Yeah, that's going to be really hard if they lose Julio. And I, and I think you're right with the cap space. And I think it also has to do with his age. He's just getting so – he's getting older. So he's not one of those people where, like – He's not at a position where he doesn't he can avoid hits and everything, so I feel like that's why they want to get rid of him. Yeah. All right. And uh I forgot to do this with the NFC East, so we'll do it with the NFC East and the NFC South. But NFC East, who uh which team do you have coming out of that one? Oh, on top? Yeah. Uh everyone stays healthy, healthy team. I got I got the Giants coming out on top. I'm always gonna ride with the Cowboys, man. Every year. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go football team just because I do love that defense. And now okay. NFC South, who you got? I got the Bucks. <laughs> oh yeah! I, Come on! I definitely got the Bucks with yeah. the, with Atlanta with the close second. Yeah. Okay. I I got Bucks. I think I'm putting Panthers at the second. But um, no. all right. And with that, let's move on to the NFC West. Cody, you get to go with your favorite team. Uh, let's go with the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, you you trolled me on that one because I had two NFC West teams. So, uh, okay, the Hawks. Uh, they had quite the offseason, uh, and towards the beginning, Seattle Nation were kind of on the edge of their seats, thinking that Russ could play somewhere else. I had to throw that in there because I love when Seahawks fan gets all mad at me. Like, they're like, oh, no, Russ ain't going anywhere, bro. How dare you say that? You know, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Hawks, they got a cornerback, Akil Witherspoon, from us, and he might not be that big of a name, but from the past, uh, you know, like all the Seahawks players or all the Niners players going to the Seahawks, Usually they end up playing pretty solid. So look out for Akilah Witherspoon, you guys. He might play solid for you guys. Also, they got tight end Gerald Everett from the Rams. And, uh, of course, they got Deion Alden-Smith. But we know how that went down. Um, let's see. They also signed a couple of D-tackles and edge rushers to kind of fulfill the roster. But I don't think any of these guys are going to play. Um, they also lost many key players, though. Keep in mind, they lost Carlos Hyde. They lost Shaquille Griffin, David Moore, Quentin Dunbar, Jaron Reed. Like, all these guys that played very well for the Seahawks, they lost them. So, let's just get into the draft. So, the draft, they got wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge, which, at first, didn't really like the pick because I thought they are going to go offensive line in the first round, just based off what Wilson was saying and all that stuff over the media. But I can see why they did it. They lost David Moore. Uh, they're trying to give Russ another weapon. Plus, I feel like after the year DK had, and Lockett is always a good receiver, these two guys, they're going to be looked at a lot for the Seahawks, so maybe Dwayne Eskridge could be a surprise pick for them. And then in the second round, they got a corner, and in the fourth, they got an offensive tackle uh, and a six in the uh, offensive tackle, too. So my question for you guys is that Hawks, they didn't really address the line as much, but Wilson does seem okay now. He said that he's fine now. Um, 
I think that if Wilson has another year with no protection and the Hawks, say they Hawks uh, barely miss the playoffs or like they get bounced first round, do you think Wilson is gone after this year? Oh, yeah. He's definitely out of there. I think he deserves a, a line that's going to protect him. And they didn't even get anyone to help him in the draft. So, I mean, it's looking rough for Russ to even stay. I don't. I was surprised he was going to stay this year. I think he still has a chance to still – I mean, if if, they, if things go really, really bad, he could probably still get traded, in my opinion. I think legitimately uh, – this is kind of hot take-ish, but I think Russell Wilson created all the trade stuff to cover for the fact that he had the worst 10-game stretch of his entire career. He started his own MVP like chance – then the spotlight was on him, and he choked. You can blame it on the offense, but honestly, they put the ball in his hands. They gave him good opportunities. He wasn't throwing it to receivers underneath. Like, I don't know if the trade stuff's legitimate. I think he just wanted to kind of take that spotlight off of him so people wouldn't be like, oh, man, maybe it was Russell Wilson's fault. So yeah. they get rid of Shoddy. They get rid of all the other players. But really, I think in truth it was Russ. And it's about if he corrects. Real you know? estate. All right. Now uh, we're going to move on to the their pretty big division opponents who they lost to in the playoffs we got the los angeles rams okay what can you say about this team they had a very very i guess busy offseason you lose a lot of guys you lose jared goff you lose malcolm brown you lose uh tight end gerald everett you lose uh your center austin blythe you lose a lot of guys from your defense michael brockers you lose uh samson ebukam uh john johnson like all those names were like key players for them they lose them but in return in the offseason they get three guys matthew stafford which i think is pretty big uh deshaun jackson and leonard floyd now uh in the draft they did also a little bit to address their wide receivers again uh they go 2-2 atwell uh in the second round and then a little bit later on, they just tried to kind of shore up those defensive positions because they didn't have a lot of draft picks. So they get Ernest Jones, linebacker out of South Carolina, Bobby Brown, defensive tackle out of Texas A&M in the fourth. And then also in the fourth, they get Robert Rochelle, cornerback from Central Arkansas. So um, they're definitely looking like they're going a little bit more balanced between offense and defense, whereas last year I would say that they were a little bit more of a defense-heavy team. Um, but the biggest question mark right now is the Matt Stafford trade. Uh, because they pretty much auctioned their entire future for that. And that's going to decide what they do in the division. So um, if he's better than Goff, uh, which shouldn't be that hard of a bar to hit, you'd think. If he's better than Goff, should they be considered the favorites to win the division or the conference? Like I whether think, or not you think he's going to be. Is he going to be if he's better than Goff? I do think he's better than Goff. And I actually think they are the favorite to win a division. Uh, more than the Niners, my team. More than the Seahawks. And I think the team that actually is second in that division is probably the Niners, but the Cardinals, I feel like, have a better chance. We'll talk about them later. But, yeah, I think the Rams, as of right now, I would pick them as their favorite because Matthew Stafford is a solid quarterback. Um, mm -hmm. Really, like people were saying for the longest time, give this man a good team and a good line, and he can lead you to the promised land. So we'll see what happens. Right, how about yeah. you? I think Matthew, I think he fits into that scheme perfectly. And, yeah, you give him some weapons finally, a line finally, just a decent team finally. I'm excited to see him play. And he has a decent defense as well. So he doesn't necessarily have to carry and put on his big boy shoes and just do everything for for a team finally. So he can kind of relax in that in that driver's seat and just, you know, kind of put it on cruise control and hope hope for the best. I think they are the favorite in that division. But um, if they stick with the same scheme of run first, pass second, like just run dominant, I think that will actually really work and be in favor of Matthew Stafford because – 
Sometimes he did make a little uh, mistakes and some mental errors just because of seeing too many defenses or defenses fooling him with different types of looks. So I feel like I feel like their run first will definitely help him a lot this season. Yeah, any Aaron Donald led defense is going to do well, and now this offense looks like it's going to be soaring. So yeah, good team. Free real estate. All right, so now we're going to move on to the Cardinals. Ray, why don't you kick us off with that one? Yeah, so the Cardinals, they definitely beefed up that defense a whole lot. And the biggest add to that team, if in, if anybody was paying attention, was J.J. Watt. Adding J.J. Watt to this team was a huge addition. So then now they have two really big and strong um, edge rushers, which is always good for any team because the defense is everything. And then if you look at um, – if you look at the draft, the Cardinals draft, they they even beefed up their defense on that end too with drafting Zayvon Collins out of uh I think it was I think it was I think he went to uh, King Kingsbury somewhere yeah. somewhere kind of like low, a low school but and then they added cornerback Marco Wilson, Tay Tay Gowen and then James Wiggins another another safety and then Michael Mennett. Which is just all these all probably like B grade guys as well. Not not too many people know about them. They're kind of under the radar, but they're de- definitely decent guys that didn't get up a lot of touchdowns this season. Um, and then and the more more additions that they added to from the uh, from the off season were uh, they added Malcolm Butler. So that's another big one. <laughs> that's another big one that they added. And they also added um, outside linebacker Marcus Golden. He's not amazing, but, I mean, still, adding a beef to that defense was something they needed to do, especially after losing uh, Patrick Peterson. Mm-hmm. Losing him was pretty big. I mean, he was he's probably on the end of his career, but still, adding more to that defense was what they needed to do. I don't think they lost too much with losing uh, Kenyon Drake. I mean, at the end of the day, he wasn't really doing too much for that for that team on the running game side. He wasn't the predominant, like, run carrier you saw a lot of you saw it kind of just bouncing around between three different guys, and then I mean losing Hassan Reddick is pretty big too. Yeah, but, I mean they're still still like they're adding beef to that defense, which is what they needed to do. And uh, I actually really like their receiver draft pick that they added, Rondo, uh, Rondo Moore. He I think he ran like a four two three. Thanks. So with that being said, do you guys think that the that this defense will be able to keep up with their division that they're in right now? I think so. I honestly, out of all the teams as a Niners fan that I'm scared of in our division right now, it's not the Seahawks, it's not the Rams, it's the it's the Cardinals, dude. Because one one reason, not only did they beef up that defense, like a lot of their good, like really solid players are still young. Buda Baker, I want to say it's like 25 still. Uh, Byron, is it Byron? No. Byron Jones. Byron Murphy. Byron is that Murphy. His name? Byron, Byron Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Byron Murphy. Um, he's like what, 22, 23, something he's like that. Young. Yeah, he's young too. Kyler Murray, their franchise quarterback, the dude with the tiniest legs I've ever seen. He's like 25. So yeah, I think I think the Cardinals are a solid team, and uh, the defense will help. That division's high octane. I don't know if any of them are going to be able to keep up with each other. I don't know either. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. And then uh, we'll move on to the team that finished last in that division, but probably won't this year. Uh, <laughs> Cody, why don't you kick us off with your favorite team? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My Niners. All right. We obviously re-signed Kyle Juszczyk, uh, the best player on the team. Don't at me on that. And uh, obviously Emmanuel Mosley re-signed as well, cornerback. And uh, Jason Verrett we re-signed. And this signing, man, this signing, honestly – 
I want to say it's one of the most underrated signings because uh, no one ever talked about this, but we got uh, Samson Abukum from the LA Rams. I love this signing. I think that's extremely mm-hmm. underrated, and that gives us another uh, pass rusher, or if we want to put him next to Fred Warner and um, Dre Greenlaw, we can do that. Like Our linebackers are solid now, so I love that signing. Um, the draft, obviously, we got our quarterback for the future in Trey Lance. Very excited about that. Uh, Aaron Banks we got in the second round. He's an offensive lineman. Um, I heard he's just a prospect. But he can turn into something special. We got Trey Sermon, too, a running back who, personally, I've never heard before. But I've been hearing some amazing things about this kid. Like, I, apparently, he's, like, a solid running back from Ohio State. Like, people are saying, like, this guy could be our franchise running back once Mostert and, like, Coleman are, like, officially gone. So, I personally think the Niners had a great offseason. GM Johnny Lynch, you know, he pretty much addressed all our needs. Well, not all of it. But most of our needs from the defensive side of the ball, I still think we need some solid corners. But other than that, if our pass rush get, our pass rush gets there, it doesn't really matter. So I believe that Lance really is the future, honestly. I think Trey Lance is our guy. He's going to be the future quarterback. So my question to you is, does Lance play this year? Should he play this year? And, uh, mm. yeah, that's it. <laughs> like, uh, Yeah, I'll go first on this one. Uh, I think... Mm, that one's tough. I think that we always say the quarterbacks aren't going to play um, for like a long time, and you like to form the narrative that they're going to sit. But it's so hard with the fan bases. The second Jimmy G throws two picks in a game, the crowds are going to be going mm-hmm. and trying to get Lance in. And I think that at some point you're going to have to give. So whether or not they intend to start him this season, I think when you draft a guy third overall, you're probably going to have to give him a start. And I think he'll do fine. I think he's going to do fine. Um, but I don't think he's going to necessarily be the guy that's going to win them the division this year, but maybe in years in the future, yeah. potentially. Yeah. When when I was watching this draft, I was eating I was eating some food, and I was, <laughs> and I was you know, with my, one of my buddies. And I hear, I hear his name get announced, and I almost spit out my food. I was like, <laughs> what? Trey Lance? Are you serious? I couldn't believe it. I was kind of disappointed that they went with him. But, I mean, looking back at his career at North Dakota State, he had the least amount of passing attempts ever for a top-five pick. And he only had one really big breakout season. And in that system with a similar guy like Carson Wentz, I mean, you see how Carson Wentz is doing in the league. I'm not saying that Lance could do the exact same thing. But um, I see him kind of following that type of trend. Right. And I, I mean, that's just no, that's just what I think. I don't think that he's going to be the big splash that they needed. All right, so uh, we'll do a quick recap of West. Which team do you think is going to take it this year? Then, oh, me first. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I'm, all right, I'm at, I'm going to go with the Cardinals, the number one the seed, not the Niners. Okay. Actually, I don't think Lance is going to be able to carry them to that one seed yet. Okay. Yeah, I was. I would have to say the Hawks still. Okay. I'm, it's funny because I'm going Rams. I do think that the Rams are the most balanced team, probably the best roster, like complete yeah. in the league, so or in that division at least. So, All right, and that takes us on to our final division, uh, and I'm going to be kicking us off with the Green Bay Packers. Jeez. I don't know what to say about the Packers, dude. <laughs> I don't know what to say about the Packers because we don't know what this Packers team is going to be. Yeah, like, they're either going to be a top uh, or top flight team because they're going to have Aaron Rodgers coming back off an MVP season, and you know they're just going to be rolling, or Aaron Rodgers is going to sit out or retire or get traded, and then we're going to have Jordan Love, who management has said, Gutekunst has said, is not ready. He said. About his quarterback, 
He's still taking some time to develop, which honestly, if you bring in Matt LaFleur, who's supposed to be like a quarterback guy, how is your boy not ready? How's your boy that you drafted in the first round to replace Aaron Rodgers not going to be ready to start a few games? That's what your contingency plan should be for, but apparently he's not. Uh, you look at this offseason, they bring in Blake Bortles, if that says how confident they are in Jordan Love. Um, then they have Aaron Jones. They re-sign him to a big contract. I don't know if you should pay uh, running backs. I know Ray might be a little <laughs> bit upset about that. Sorry, but... Um, I don't think you should pay running backs, but they did anyway. They bring in Mercedes Lewis, they re-sign him, and then they re-sign Kevin King. A lot of retaining guys, um, but they did, and they didn't really lose a lot. But the biggest loss that they might face is losing Aaron Rodgers. Now, when you look at their draft, they got Eric Stokes, cornerback, which, interesting pick. Um, I don't know if you necessarily need a cornerback. Your secondary's been pretty loaded for a while. You got Jair Alexander. Kevin King's been fine. Um, and your safeties are pretty good. And then uh, you get Josh Myers uh, for as a center. And then you finally draft a wide receiver and get Amari Rodgers in the third round. Which, if you're trying to make Aaron Rodgers happy, why do you draft a corner in the first round? I don't get this team. So uh, my question for you guys is, this team's probably going to be the biggest question mark. Um, but it, what do you see them going if Rodgers does sit out and Jordan Love is the guy, or Jordan Love or Blake Bortles is the guy who's going to start for him? It's interesting because, like you said, I don't know what the Packers are trying to do here. Do they want to keep Rodgers? Because I feel like they should want to. But then again, they didn't draft a wide receiver that he's been begging for since, like, forever. So if Rodgers does not play, honestly, since the division is kind of weak, besides, like, the Bears, I guess, is their second best, like, competitor, I still could see them coming out on top at, like, 11-5 and five or 10-6. and six. So, okay, yeah, I, I, don't see, I don't see another team beating them. What about you, Ray? Yeah, I feel like the Packers have been blatantly disrespecting probably <laughs> one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best, right behind or in front of Tom Brady, mm -hmm. right? And the fact that they don't go with the right receiver for two years in a row is just another shot at the gut. I think that this – I think Aaron Rodgers has the right to sit out. He has the right to retire. He has the right to do whatever he wants. He's probably going to host a Jeopardy if he wants to. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's what he should do because if I get disrespected like that and I'm playing so well for a team that doesn't even respect me, I can I can do whatever I want to do. All right. Well, we'll move on to the team that I thought Aaron Rodgers was hopefully going to go on to, but it doesn't look like it right now with their latest draft pick. Let's look at the Chicago Bears, Ray. Yes, sir. I was very happy that Justin Fields slid all the way to the Bears, but that's who I thought the 49ers were actually going to pick. But I still think that the Bears had a pretty decent draft with picking up Justin Fields. They got two offensive linemen, which they desperately needed, two tackles, Tevin Jen uh, Jenkins from Oklahoma and then Larry Broom for, uh, Borum from Missouri, which, are, which I think they were probably the – both of them were in the top ten for offensive linemen in the draft. Um, the Bears, they kind of needed a running back, and they drafted Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech, which he's a decent running back. He's not the greatest guy. Um, and they also picked up Thomas Graham Jr. from Oregon, which is, a, which is actually a really good draft pick out of, out of the Pac-12, which is a very, very pass-heavy league. And they'll be able to defend with that guy. And they can actually probably trust him and put him in the starting lineup this year if they really wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I was really big on Justin Fields coming in because – then the I think there's a there's a mental test or something like that for the NFL that they'll mm -hmm. take, and he scored actually he scored the highest. Oh, so that's why I was really really surprised that he still slid. I, I just don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's some off the field stuff that I don't know about, but 
I mean, if you look at guys like Mac, like Mac Jones, he had two DUIs before the draft, and then he he got drafted before him. So I mean, it's just kind of it's just kind of weird. I, I don't understand it. I don't really get it. And I don't think they lost anybody too big. I think the maybe the biggest loss was um, another offensive lineman, Charles uh, Charles Leal Jr. Yeah. But I don't I don't know. They didn't really lose anybody too big. They re-signed A-Rob, which I was very thankful for. I thought he was going to be gone. But now that he has a, a decent quarterback that's, that can actually throw to him, because I was – I don't know about any other Bears fans, if you if people are Bears fans out there. I was sick of seeing Trubisky out there, and I'm glad that <laughs> – I'm glad that my guy, Justin Fields, is over there. I think he gets an easy start for week one. Um, so with that being said, do you guys think that Justin Fields is going to have a – a big season or a bus season? I kind of hope he has a bus season <laughs> obvious <laughs> for obvious reasons, but no, nah, I, I think it's going to be a big season. Now, I was actually really shocked, too. Uh, I wanted Fields. Honestly, I wanted Fields over Lance, but I think it, they were more excited about the potential of Lance than the for sure thing of uh, Justin Fields, I guess. So I think Justin Fields is going to do great. Uh, I hope he has a solid year. I wish nothing but the best for him. Even though if he might make us look bad, yeah, I, I wish nothing but the best. Yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm hoping, or I think that Fields is going to be pretty good. Uh, he does have a team around him that's pretty solid. You get a nice running back behind him. David Montgomery was playing pretty well and carrying that team pretty much to the playoffs. Uh, and if if a team can get to the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky, I think you can do it with Justin Fields. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got the same level of athleticism. It's just about what he puts together in his head. Yep. Nice. All right, so now let's move on to our next team. Cody, why don't you let us know about the Vikings? All righty. Well, the Minnesota Vikings, after a sensational rookie year from Justin Jefferson and also an amazing year from Dalvin Cook and even a solid season for Cook, Kirk Cousins, I was curious to see what the Vikings had in store for the offseason. So they start off by releasing Riley Reef. What the heck? All right. <laughs> Uh, a little sus, but okay. And then they release Kyle Rudolph, which it's about time because they need to give Irv Smith a chance, man. <laughs> that man, Irv, I'm telling you, he's nice. He's nice. Just give him a chance. So I like that. Um, they agreed to terms, obviously, with uh, cornerback Pat Peterson, who I don't know how much of an impact he'll make because he kind of is getting there like with age, but he'll, he'll, he'll uh, definitely be a solid corner for them. Um, they also agreed to terms with Mackenzie Alexander and Xavier Woods. So... They have solid corners going into this uh, season, um, but they also declined the fifth-year option on uh, Mike Hughes, which I thought was kind of interesting. So we'll see how that works. Um, this defense is looking like the retirement home. I literally put that on my notes. Like They got so many old guys. Like Harrison Smith is getting up there in age. Uh, what's his, uh, Anthony Barr is getting up there in age. I don't know if they still have Everson Griffin, but he's getting up there in age. Uh, Linval is probably old now. I don't know if they still have him, but he's getting old. So... It's kind of shaky. It's kind of shaky, this defense. So in the draft, in the first round, they drafted Darisaw to help out their line to kind of be that Riley Reef replacer. So I like that pick. Uh, third round, uh, they drafted quarterback uh, Kellen Moon. Kellen Mond? Kellen Moon? I don't Kellen know. Kellen Mond, yeah. Kellen Mond, as well as a linebacker, a guard, and defensive back. They also got a couple like other DNs, DBs, and D tackles in the later rounds. So I guess they were, you know, they realized that all these guys are getting older. So they're now they're trying to fix those holes a little bit with drafting all these other uh, prospects that could come in and make a difference. So I like that a lot. Um, I love how they're building up that defense because, like I said, it's it's a little sus right now. So I guess my question to you guys is, how close do you guys think the Vikings are from being a playoff team? Do you think they'll make it this year? Uh, so. Ray, why don't you uh, start this one? 
Man, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> to say that the Vikings are going to be a playoff. Or hard for me to say that they're not going to be a playoff team. Who? Only because that rushing attack is amazing. Dalvin Cook is a beast. Like you said before, or I don't even think you said it on air. I think you said off air. He led the league in. Um, Oh, no, he was close to leading the league in rushing, and he missed two games, I believe, yeah. due to uh, family issues. And then, I mean, yeah, Kirk Cousins, do you like that? Yes, <laughs> we do like that. <laughs> and he is just – I think he's going to do amazing again this year. They have a great receiving core. Uh, but, yeah, that defense definitely needs to be beefed up because they're, they're, they're very, very old. They might be the oldest defensive league – or defensive group in the league. Yeah, the offense can carry them through that division. I really do like them. It's just about that defense. If the old guys, old vets can work together, I have a lot of faith in them. Uh, so I guess we'll see what happens going forward. Now, let's move on to the last team in the division. Last team we're going to talk about, and probably the last team on everybody else's minds, the Detroit Lions. Okay, man, uh, let's start by their losses. They lost all five of their primary receivers, Jamal Agnew, Danny Amendola, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Mohamed Sanu. Got that out of the way. You lose Carrion Johnson, your backup running back. Adrian Peterson, your backup running back. You lose your quarterback, Matthew Stafford. You lose your backup quarterback, Chase Daniel. Um, I can go on about their defense, but I don't have enough time because I can't talk about them for more than like a minute and a half. So uh, let's go on to who they added. Jared Goff, does that inspire hope? I don't think so. Jared Goff. Uh, then you got Tyrell Williams. You got Brashad Perriman. You got Jamal Williams, the backup running back from the Packers. I look at this team. I don't see an identity. I don't see an identity, at least after free agency, because they gave everybody up. And then on top of that, they didn't really get anyone back. I think the biggest gains they got back were uh, Romeo Arquara, uh, defensive end, and then defensive tackle Michael Brockers, who said... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but he said that getting Matthew Stafford on the Rams was a level up uh, when he was on the Rams, and then immediately <laughs> after the Rams traded him to the Lions, so now he would have to play with Jared Goff again. Uh, and he was like, man, I was just saying it because uh, it was a good headline and stuff. So um, that was a fun take from the offseason. That's about the only fun they had until the draft. They got Panay Sewell, uh, offensive tackle. And there then we after go. That, there you go. That you gives get, me hope right there, You Kajal. get Levi Anzarike, uh, Aleem McNeil, who – uh, Melifonwu, I think, is a good corner uh, that they got from Syracuse. But the only receiver they really have now is Amon Ross St. Brown. That's who Jared Goff's going to be passing to. So my question for you guys is, Lions are a team that are unquestionably rebuilding. Uh, do you see a clear identity that's being formed right now? And uh, is Jared Goff going to be part of those plans moving forward, or is he going to be replaced by one of the picks that the Rams gave the Lions to, uh, to basically get rid of him? Wow. Okay, so the Lions are an interesting team. The best player, I mean, not the best player, but I feel like their most exciting player that they got was an offensive lineman, and that's saying something. So, Penny Sewell, he was a great pick for them. Great, great pick. That That's literally it. Jared Koff, I don't see him being the future, just because I just don't see weapons for him to throw to. Like, who who's his top receiver now? Amon Ross St. Brown. There I you think. go. Fourth-round pick. Yeah. Like or Tyrell Williams. And Tyrell Williams. Like, those are his receivers? I don't know. Maybe... Maybe that fourth rounder turns into, like, the next, I don't know, Julio Jones or something. So, we'll see. <laughs> All right, what about you, Ray? Yeah, Monroe State Brown had a good couple of years at uh, USC. And then he kind of dropped down once he lost his high school quarterback, uh, I think it was JT Daniels, Yeah. when uh, he transferred to a different school. That's when his uh, receptions and yards kind of went down. But I think that was a really good draft pick late in, late in the fourth round. I think that was kind of a steal, in my opinion. But, yeah, I don't see an identity for this team. 
Hopefully, they might they might just try to run the ball a lot just because that's all they have. I don't I don't see golf as anything exciting for this team. Yeah, DeAndre Swift I think is the only like bright spot of that spot of that team. But honestly, who remembered that DeAndre Swift was a lion? I didn't even remember that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, all right. Well, that is. Uh, we went through all the teams. We did it in about 48 minutes, three minutes per team. But let's take a quick glance real fast at this division. Who do you think is going to come out of the uh, the NFC North as uh, the champion? Ooh, I got the Vikings. Vikings on top, baby. Okay. Vikings on top. Yeah, I'll take a shot with the Vikings too, actually. I Oof. like them. Uh, I, you know what? Faith and Fields. Faith and Fields, baby. I'm going Bears. Faith and I'm Fields. I'm going Bears. <laughs> and I'm hoping that Aaron Rodgers is just out the entire <laughs> season because otherwise Packers are going to be the yeah, easy yeah, answer. Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, good job, guys. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Ray, I think you're going to be uh, sticking around for the next hour. Yes, Do you know what you and Will are going to be talking about? I think we're just going to be talking about the NBA playoffs. Oh, yeah. Question. Did you like the play-in games? I love them. I think they're really oh. interesting. I like that. Um, really? Teams have a shot to lose twice before they get uh, eliminated. I think that's really cool. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, because I know Cody didn't like him. I know Will yeah. didn't like him. Yeah. I think if you don't like him, you don't like. It's just like don't watch him. You know, yeah. uh, I don't yeah. think it affects the playoffs too much. It's just it extra games. Yeah. But yeah, I think that they're pretty cool. But all right, thank you very much for being on with us today, Ray. Uh, yes, thank you, Ray. Clap sorry. it up for Ray. I think one time. Cody Appreciate and I you. we're not going to be you. on next week because that's going to be Memorial Day weekend. So I think uh, we're probably going to take that off. But if we don't, uh, feel free to <laughs> give us a listen, 12 to 2 on bench warmers. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for us uh, here for this week. Cody, why don't you start signing us off? Yes, sir. All righty, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the bench warmers on your Sunday. Make sure you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, we'll see you all maybe next week, maybe not. It doesn't matter. <laughs> have a good time. Peace out, guys. Peace.